Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Jones Sports. I'm Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, T.J. Reeves is going to join us as we'll talk all things March Madness. T.J. and I will be doing coverage for TuneIn Radio from the Final Four next week in Houston. So we'll uh, get you a scene setter for what's going on uh, this weekend with the regional semifinals and the regional finals setting up for the said Final Four. So Look forward to talking to TJ coming up just a little while from right now. Plus, we have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisor Group, as well as our Tom Fulgery Story of the Week coming up at the end of today's show. As always, Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, always a pleasure uh, to hear from you, my friend. Uh, I'm off to Austin this week uh, to go with, uh, with David Starr and company to the NASCAR race, but you and I were talking here, and I think – a weekend in the Talladega infield needs to be in our future. It very well might be. I mean, I feel like um, that could get me in a lot of trouble. But <laughs> uh, I do feel like it would be a blast. I mean, we were looking this up. And I got to tell you, I mean, the idea just intrigues me to be among the Talladega faithful, Talladega Boulevard, bring some beads with us and kind of like the NCAA tournament, Tom survive in advance. I mean, yeah, yeah, there'd be a whole lot of surviving. I can tell you that. (laughs) Oh, maybe we'll make our dreams come true and, uh, and make this happen. Uh, but we were talking to Bo and Bo's wanting to do like a, a boys weekend in Nashville or something like, Tom, I, I know it's it's been a while since you've been to a NASCAR race, but I, I, I feel like we, we need to get you to embrace your inner redneck and, and uh, get out there and enjoy yourself a, a full-on NASCAR weekend experience. In. I mean, nothing like Talladega, right? Right. Talladega or Nashville, either one. Uh, I'm down for it all. We'll, we'll see what we can uh, put together. But nonetheless uh, – We'll uh, we'll have TJ join us coming just a bit as we're talking uh, NCAA tournament time. But uh, this past weekend, just unbelievable of uh, the games that we saw. Um, you know, Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, they you know they they straight up uh, you know showed the uh, the fair dick. You know, with uh, their performance <laughs> when they were able to shut down Purdue like that and get that upset win, and Arizona losing to Princeton and everything that went down. I mean, wasn't that just awesome to watch? I mean, what what a that was one of the best first weekends, maybe the best first weekend I've ever seen, Tom. I mean, it was quite incredible, and you know they'll be back at it today, and you know by the time the show's posted, we'll be back watching, you know, our bracket. I know you're in uh, several little bracket challenges, but you're in one of mine, and we both have picked Alabama. And, uh, you know, they're still going out as strong. So, you know, hopefully we can make it to, um, you know, make it through this weekend as well. I feel like after that first weekend, though, no one gives a damn about your bracket. Like, I don't even care about my bracket now. I mean, I barely even checked it. Depends on the money, I guess. I mean, I feel, I guess I'm in first right now, technically. Yeah. But that, obviously, I think we had, like, out of the however many people that are in that bracket, like half of them were in first for at least a second. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, 
now that my team's out of it and, you know, which was a whole nother ordeal, Kansas lose to Arkansas, and that was just a whole debacle. Uh, the way they fell apart down the stretch, Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick and everything, that's a whole nother story. But, I mean, I, I'm at the point where I, I'm – I would bet you and I are kind of in the same boat. I'm rooting for chaos, right? Like, screw the bracket. Like, give me all the madness, literally. No, and it could it could get wild. I guess, I, you know, I guess right now, I guess for me, I guess technically being the first in our little quick money bracket, it was like $10 a bracket. I, I could win 150 bucks, but the likelihood that I actually win it, you know, is still slim. But if, uh, you know, if Alabama or Texas loses, then, yeah, I'm all for the chaos. Yeah. Um, and I got to tell you, looking back at this past week, all the upsets and everything were great. But traditionally speaking, Tom, you get to this second weekend, and this is when the cream rises to the top. Uh, bonk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you have the elites really – take into their own and separate themselves from, from the rest of the pack. Right. And, you know, those upsets were all great and they were a big deal and everything, but now, you know, this is when these guys, uh, when it's their time to shine and everything I I'm looking at Tom, for me, there's three teams in particular that stand out from the rest of the pack, Alabama with Brandon Miller and company. They are a complete team. Um, I think that they should be able to get through their region pretty easily. And then I think the second and third best teams in country left are probably going to play each other in the lead eight. When you have Houston, who's the one seed in the Midwest and Texas, who's the two seed in the Midwest. Houston has Marcus Sasser back. One of the best players in the country, you know, their, their leading scorer who they were without, you know, in the American Conference Championship game. He's back, and he's playing great. Texas has been as hot as any team in the country right now. Um, that regional final is going to feel like a Final Four game, Tom. Like, I, I would, I've been going back and forth on this. I think I, I lean towards Texas a little bit, but that's a game that, that really could go either way. And the winner of that game, I think, probably is going to be in the national championship. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I mean, there'll be several games this weekend that feel, uh, you know, kind of like a finale. Um, you know, I, I, not opposed to even saying that. And and, you know, I, I feel like we could get some of our best games this weekend. And you know, I know you're doing the Final Four, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, some of the games this weekend might outshine the Final Four. Yeah, they very well could. Uh, they could, and you know, you look at Texas top. Let, let's let's look at them for a second. Um, interim head coach and, and Rodney Terry. He's done an incredible job this year. Won the Big Twelve tournament title. They're coming in playing some really good basketball. And I think the number one question that Texas fans and Big Twelve fans had about Rodney Terry about if he was deserving of that job or not. Um, you know, to get the interim tag removed was if he could get out of the first weekend. And he did that. Um, now that weight's been lifted. He should be named the full-time head coach, I would think, no matter even what happens the rest of this weekend. Um, with that said, how physical they are, the guard play that they have there, 
Texas, I, I would not want to be facing right now. And you put them up against Houston, the team that's about to leave the Big 12, taking on the team that's about to enter two in-state schools and everything. I mean, that 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 is uh, got headlines galore. I mean, that that is going to be quite the setting if these two teams end up meeting in that Elite Eight game, what we, we have at stake here. And, and uh, you know, that's uh, – Texas, I think, it's just a bad matchup for anybody because they have the size and they have the guards both. I mean, yeah, they do. And, and you know, the, one of my brackets, I did take Texas. And you do see kind of across all brackets, you know, from the experts down to the amateurs, you're seeing a lot of Texas, and it's not for – it's not for no reason. I mean, there's there's a reason this Texas team has been taken, and uh, you know they 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 took care of business in the first weekend, and I'd like to see them do it again uh, this next weekend. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the Big Twelve down pat is one of the toughest, if not the toughest, conference in our opinion. And uh, obviously, Texas has kind of came in on that hot streak. So um, you know, you Please. like to see them. We usually spend this portion of the show, you know, typically this is our Big 12 breakdown. And, and I was thinking about this, Tom, from like a Big 12 fan perspective. If you're like me and your team's out, or or like Tom and his team didn't even make the tournament. They were first right. <laughs> left out and then got lost at home in the NIT to a mid-major. Um, if you're like hey, us. Calm down, calm down, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon? Yeah, okay. Too soon. Uh, that wound was still open there. Uh, too easy. Um, if you're like Tom or I, and you're you're rooting for the Big Twelve at this point, I was thinking about this time. Um, you know, Texas. I'm trying to figure out who to root for. If you're a fan of the, let's say the the future Big Twelve. Um, selfishly, I was thinking about this. Wouldn't the best outcome be for Houston to win it all? If you're a, a Big Twelve fan, I mean, K State. Um. I would not feel great about winning the national title as a Kansas fan. Um, and I don't think it's going to happen again with, um, you know, it'd be better if K-State won rather than, you know, the Big 12 not winning it, period. I mean, but, you know, that would be my hell if K-State was national champs. Texas, they're about to be on the way out the door. They don't want to associate themselves with the league, not to mention it's Texas, who we all just hate to begin with anyway. Um, can you imagine if Houston – and they can. They have the talent to do it. They're a one seed and everything. Kelvin Sampson's done a great job. We mentioned about Marcus Sasser and company there. Wouldn't that be the story, Tom? If you have this Texas team, or this uh, this Houston team, rather, enter the Big 12 next year as the defending national champions in a league that has Kansas as last year's champs, Baylor as the year before, and Texas Tech was in the Final Four a couple years ago. Um you talk about this future of the league and excitement and everything. I would love to see Houston walk in as the defending champs and have a target on their back right away. No, I think they could do it. And obviously a lot of people pick Houston. Um, you know, I do think, you know, they play Miami. What is it? They play Miami uh, Friday night. Yeah. And then, you know, you obviously got Texas and Xavier playing Friday night. Um, you know, I, Miami, you know, play is played tough and, uh, what the my this Miami team, um, 
a lot of people had them doubted out in the five versus 12. They beat Drake. They went on to beat Indiana as a four. Um, and you now you got them against Houston. I, I do think Miami could have a sneaky shot, but if Houston manages to get past them, there's no easy road. And I, you know, I'm not one to say there was ever an easy road in, the, in, in March Madness because if, hell, if this Houston team wins, then they, you know, they face a Texas team who obviously we, you know, have talked about. And, and, you know, if Xavier manages to move on, Xavier's no slouch either. Xavier's beaten a lot of good teams. I do feel like Xavier didn't hasn't played their best basketball in these first two games, but um, they're they're where they at. They they are where they at. Bleh. They are where they are at now for a good reason. Yeah. Um. You know, this is this is no easy task for that Houston team, but um, I I do think they can do it. And and you know, on the flip side, when we talk about Texas. Uh, if they were to manage to do it, this is no easy task for them. They play a tough Xavier team, and if they manage to get past that, then, hell, what's looking at them in the Elite Eight is probably Houston. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, K-State, I'll say this, as far as the Big 12 front goes to K-State. Um, you know, 25-9, and nine, Jerome Tang, I think, has been one of the best stories in college basketball this year for completely – reinventing that roster, winning the Big 12 Coach of the Year Award, and, you know, taking this team to this point. I mean, it's been an incredible season. I mean, Johnson, this guy, had a cardiac arrest a couple years ago, gets cleared to play basketball. Now he's been one of the best players in the country. Just absolutely outstanding what Kansas State has done this year. And when K-State plays their best, Tom, they can beat anybody in the country. If they don't turn the ball over, K-State can win – against anybody with that said whether it's against michigan state which feels like a total perfect trap game or the next round after that whatever it may be i don't know how many perfect games per se k-state has in them down the stretch they it very well just might all come to an end uh tonight against michigan state here it definitely could you know i will say if they get past Michigan State, which obviously Tom Izzo, you know, hasn't – obviously hasn't done anything since Draymond Green. I mean, I say not anything. He's still had great teams, and he's still a well-respected coach in the NCAA and in men's basketball. But if Kansas State can get past Michigan State tonight, I do believe they would beat Tennessee, which I'm assuming will beat FAU. You know, nothing's guaranteed. And then I think we could see K-State versus maybe, and and me and you in terms of a bracket, would hope K-State in the Final Four versus Alabama. Wouldn't that be something? That that could be wild uh, if K-State can get through these next two games and find themselves in the Final Four. But Michigan State's going to be tough. I mean, Tom, you know, the first three months of the year, you got January, you got February, and then you got Izzo. And, I mean, this is his month. We've seen him turn it on the right time, and here they are again. And they played some really good basketball last week. That win against Marquette uh, was a big deal. So, we'll see. Let's go through the rest of these games. I mean, I mean, you can you can never really count out people named Tom. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Never a doubt. Let's go through the rest of the games this weekend uh, tonight. We talked about K-State, Michigan State. Toss-up game 
I still lean towards the Cats, but I think that game comes down to the wire. Michigan State's actually favored by a point and a half. Um, I did talk to some K-State people, Tom, and there was some concern about them going into this game overconfident, kind of too happy to be there necessarily uh, in New York and be in the Sweet 16 after all they've been through. So something to keep in mind. Arkansas taking on UConn. Uh, Arkansas with that big win against Kansas on Saturday. Um, you know, all the foul trouble they went through still found a way to win that game, a gritty win that was arguably the best game of the tournament so far. UConn uh, at that four seed, and UConn just a really good team in their own right. And the talent that they have, I mean, uh, Sagogon, uh, you know, or Sagago, uh, averaging, you know, 17 points, seven and a half rebounds. I mean, really good player there. You know, UConn's about a four-point favorite in this game. Tom, I I would say this, not to discredit Arkansas, but I don't even think they're really that good of a team, to be honest here. Um, They're well coached. Eric Musselman does a great job. But the talent level is not not anything to write home about. No honesty for Arkansas here. I think UConn's simply a better team. I think UConn, if they play their game, should handle business. UConn should win, right? You know, you could have said KU should have won too, and they should have. Right. I did think I did think that taking off the shirt and doing all that hoopla for Arkansas for a round of thirty-two it. win that was kind of tacky. Yeah, a little bit. And I, you know, I get how you feel about your team losing to them, but I even felt like oh, I was like, come on, like now if you're if you're going to the Elite Eight for the first time in school history, take the shirt off, sure. But. You know, sure, you beat a, a Kansas team who hasn't really played well as of late. There's no Bill Self. Um, you know, I don't want to blame it on that. KU still should have won, but right. You know, but still, I mean, is it a good win? Great, yeah, it's great. It's a great win. But come on, be better, do better, right? Yeah, I mean. They got Charlie Villanueva playing for them, and they could, you know, barely put it together. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. UConn, uh, I think, should be able to handle business. FAU taking on Tennessee. Tennessee has been a com- confusing team for me this year. When they are good, they are good. Like their win against Duke last week, when Duke came in red hot and just dominated. You know, they had a dominating win against Kansas earlier this year. But, I mean, you even look, you don't have to go back too far. You know, just this month alone, lost to Auburn, lost to Missouri. Um, You know, they've been so up and down. I don't know what Tennessee team is going to show up. To me, that's a perfect trap game for this FAU team who has been awesome this year. Um, You know, we mentioned the win against Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, you know, the close win they had against Memphis, who's a pretty good team here as well. Uh, call me crazy, Tom. I'm leaning towards FAU. I, I, I like what FAU brings to the table and their offense, the way they can score. Um, to me, this is a, I know, I, I know I just made that speech earlier about the cream rises to the top this weekend. Rick Barnes in March, though, I got my doubts about. To me, this is a pretty good situation for FAU to steal a win. Yeah, I think it's a good situation, too. I will say, you know, and it's obviously easy for me to say this, I'm going to favor, you know, Tennessee here. Uh, FAU has had a good run. 
all Cinderella stories must end eventually. And I think for FAU, this is where it ends. I, I think Tennessee, uh, you know, could slip up. They could get they could get got. Um, but from what I've seen, I, I like this. Uh, I like this Tennessee team, and then uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with them still. Gonzaga taking on UCLA. Uh, Tom, they had an incredible Final Four game a couple of years ago. Remember the uh, the Jalen Suggs half court shot um, to win that game. I mean that that was just unbelievable. Two West Coast schools, the two best schools on the West Coast. I know they don't play each other every year, but I mean. Tom, it, it almost feels like a rivalry game, doesn't it? I mean, when when you talk about the history they already have on a big stage, two really good coaches and Mark Few and Mick Cronin here, um, and being the class of, of that region of the country, these two schools here, uh, we're in for an instant classic here. And UCLA, uh, I know that they've they've you know they won the uh, the Pac-12 tournament or, or, or Pac-12 regular season championship. But Gonzaga starting to get in gear and get hot at the right time here. Uh, I, I lean towards Gonzaga in this game, I think, but I think there's another toss-up game could go either way. Yeah, I think a lot of brackets, too. Just in terms of, you know, when I say this, I'm talking about the fan perspective and, you know, as average guys looking at it and watching the game. I think a lot of you know, average Joe's in the bracket realized that, you know, UCLA had a great player out. And uh, what was Jalen? Is it Jalen Wilson? Jalen Carter? Jalen something. Yeah. Um, and I think I think a lot of people picked against UCLA to not even make it this far. And so far, so good for them. It doesn't really look like it's, I guess, necessarily bothered them a whole, whole lot. I will say I do think this is where it obviously catches up. Um, Gonzaga feel like they're getting a little hot at the right time and and um you know we know we know that pedigree for Gonzaga Brett Yormack wouldn't be going after him if they weren't so uh I do think this is where the road ends for the Bruins um but you know I, I did like I said um when we first started this convo there are going to be games this weekend that feel that will end up feeling better or feel more like a final four than the actual final four well, and, and Tom, what was the biggest issue in college basketball for a long time that everybody complained about? It was the one-and-done thing, right? And right. in this game of these two teams meeting for the first time since that great uh, Final Four game a couple of years ago, one of the greatest Final Four games of all time, um, what do we have here? Familiarity. I mean, you got, uh, you know, Jamie Jacquez Jr., uh, who was one of the stars of that game a couple of years ago for UCLA who right now is playing great ball, you know, averaging 17 and a half points a game and, and about eight rebounds. And Drew Timmy on the other side, uh, who feels like he's been playing college basketball for 100 years, you know, since Perry Ellis was around. Um, but Drew Timmy has been one of the best players in college basketball for the last several years. Everybody knows who Drew Timmy is. Everyone recognizes that mustache. I mean – we, we talked about kind of feels like a rivalry game and all this. And then you have these two players that people know and familiar with. This is good for the game. This is good for the sport. Oh, it's going to be a hell of a game. And I think, you know, both sides kind of know 
you know, obviously what's at stake, but I think, you know, I, I don't, I don't think we can be the only two blokes to recognize uh, these uh, similarities and these, you know, it, it being this familiar. Right. I mean, like, I, I, I'll be honest. I'm not a big Drew Timmy guy. He, he kind of annoys me. But isn't that what college basketball needs is, is, is people you can recognize and, and be your villains of some sorts? I, I think Drew Timmy plays that role well. I think he does, too. I wouldn't even – I wouldn't – you know, from just a normal perspective, obviously follow KU basketball a lot more than I even follow OSU. I wouldn't necessarily call him a villain, but he's one of those faces that's like, okay, you know, you know he's going to have a good game. And, you know, he's been there too long. And if it wasn't for COVID, we would even be talking about him. But, uh, you know, and and I come from a high school who, you know, my mascot was Bruins. Shouldn't I be rooting for UCLA? No, I'm rooting for the smaller school. Give me, give me, give me Timmy. Give me, you know, I I love Timmy's. Give me Timmy. I think what, what, what might frustrate me, Tom, about Drew Timmy, like, is the fact that look at you had Chet Holmgren who went number two in the draft and Mark Few and company are maybe potentially cost themselves a national championship because they ran their entire offense through G- Drew Timmy instead of a future all-star in, in, in Chet Holmgren. To me, that's one thing I just look at them like, I, I can't get over. Like you ran it through this guy when you had Chet on that team. Yeah, no, I get that too. I get that too, and and we'll see if it. Uh, you know, I think they're going to do it again, and we'll see how it pays off. But I, I do like Gonzaga to move on, and I, you know, previously said that you know UCLA without one of their star players, I, you know, it's they've made it this far so far, and I think it eventually has to catch up to them. And you know, a team like Gonzaga, I, I do feel like will probably get the upper hand but you know again like i said before this is going to be one of those games that would be final four worthy all right let's get to the friday slate now alabama san diego state you and i talked a lot earlier how much we like this alabama team and brandon miller and nate Oates and everything that's going on with them and how complete they are and the favorites to win this whole thing going up against san diego state and san diego state got an easy win against Furman. They beat Charleston. They've had one of the easiest paths to the Sweet 16. Um, they have not been tested. I think they are in for a rude awakening. This is my lock of the week, Tom. Alabama, seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Take Alabama and the points. Bet the 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 home loan or whatever, the, the student debt. I mean, go all in on Alabama to win this and cover seven-and-a-half. I think San Diego State's about to get exposed. You know, for the sake of of my bracket still alive and first, I'm going to knock on wood for you. I'm going to knock on wood for you because um, I hope you're right. But um, obviously, sports betting is not legal in Oklahoma yet, or yeah. I was putting money down. But uh, I did see the state of Oklahoma House uh, today passed a bill for sports betting. So and they're trying. They're trying. You know how much your boy uh, uh, Kevin Stitt loves the tribe. So yeah. Yeah, uh, you, you and yeah, Kevin, you guys hang out all the time, you know. Yeah, no, we we definitely don't. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. But all like I said, I'll knock on wood for you. It should be the lock of the week. 
Uh, Miami taking on Houston. You could call this, Tom, like the De'Eric King Bowl or something. Um, yeah, pretty much. That's probably a name you haven't heard in a minute. Um, he got injured now. <laughs> right. Uh, we mentioned how great Houston is and, and all that. Miami on their end. Uh, they just kind of owned Indiana this week between the women's tournament upsetting them at Assembly Hall and then in the men's side uh, just beating the crap out of them 85 to 69. I think Miami is just Indiana's daddy at this point. Um, but that said, they look great. Got a nice win against a pretty good Drake team, I think. Um, I wouldn't want to be facing Miami right now. And Jim Laranega, I think he's underrated. I think he's one of the best coaches in the country. They went to the Elite Eight last year. Here they are in the Sweet 16 again. Um, Houston should win this game, but I think Miami is going to give them all they can handle here, Tom. Oh, no, I think you're right. I do think Houston will win it too. But, uh, you know, from the women's and the men's side, like you mentioned, I mean, Miami's been giving it their all. I mean, uh, I you know, Oklahoma State choked. They had a 17-point lead in the women's tournament over Miami, and they, Miami came back and won by one. Then they followed it up with a win against Indiana. Um, you know, and speaking of the women's tournament, they do have a pair of twins on that team that are, uh, decently attractive. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you combine the followers between the two, they'd have over a million. So, uh, you know, I'm not the only one that thinks that, cause I know there's not half a million people in the U S that follow some random girl from. Miami's women's basketball team because she's good at basketball. I'm sure she's great. I'm sure she's great. Um, she's not as good as Caitlin Clark at, at Iowa, but definitely does have more followers than Caitlin Clark. Um, so, yeah, I, know. I don't want to be that guy, but I, I think uh, you became that guy. Yeah. We're, we're, speaking, we're speaking facts on this show. So, but in terms of the men's tournament, you know what, Miami. Like I said, I had Drake beating Miami, and and Drake did uh, get close to doing that. But Miami stepped up. You know, if I was going to pick an upset that could potentially happen this week, um, in, in terms of the remaining one seeds or just in general, I do think Miami could be that one. Um, I will hit the I won't hit the lock button, but if I was going to put ten dollars down i'd feel comfortable putting 10 20 30 40 down uh on houston money line okay all right uh moving on now some of the uh other games here princeton taking on creighton princeton pulled off the miracle upset against arizona they followed that up by beating the crap out of mizzou with a 78 63 win uh 15 point victory now they play a creighton team who I got to tell you, Creighton's got something figured out here. Uh, you know, they beat Baylor pretty good, dominated that game. Beat NC State pretty well, 72-63, to 63, the uh, game prior to that. Uh, remember, Princeton doesn't have any scholarship players, and they are playing this well. Um, something's got to give here, Tom. You got two teams just playing great basketball right now. Um, I, I, would, I would think – with momentum not being the issue for either one of these teams right now, I would think eventually at some point the athletes have to catch up to Princeton, right? I, I think this is probably the game where Creighton has 
their superior talent, their athletes, their athleticism, which they've shown they're a very athletic team, is too much for Princeton. Yeah, I think it could be. Um, you know, you got the Catholics versus the intellectuals. Um, you know, not the uh, not the most glamorous matchup of the Sweet 16 by any it's means. On, it's on TBS. They're not putting that on CBS. Right. Some about some about Princeton, though. You know, you want to talk about Cinderella. Prince kind of goes with Princess. Kind of goes with Cinderella. I think Creighton will win. I think the Catholics do prevail. But I think, you know, just from a fan perspective, I'll be rooting on the Princeton Tigers. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun for sure. Um, I I think Creighton's going to be a little bit too much athletically, but that should be a a pretty decent game. And then Texas and Xavier – Xavier has had a, a heck of a season. Sean Miller is back, and he's done a really good job. They lost in the Big East Tournament final to, to Marquette, but they uh, got by Xavier in a close one. They dominated Pitt in that second game, winning by 11. Now here they are taking on this Texas team. And, and I'll say this much. you know, As we mentioned, Texas looks as high as any team in the country right now based on the way they've played. But here's one thing that I I don't think you can discredit or discount too much, Tom, when it comes to the Xavier team. They kind of survived their scare already, right? Remember, they were trailing for much of that game against Kennesaw State. And that could could bode well for them, that they've already learned how to overcome and play through adversity and win in the tournament Um, in that sense. You go into this game against – uh texas here and now that you've already gone through that um if 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 xavier is playing their hand the right way they should go into this game now that they figure out how to win and and a game they had to play back from behind if i'm xavier if i'm sean miller and company you should be going in this game with nothing to lose uh, and everything to play for you should all the pressure i think should be on texas in this game no, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Xavier, like you you mentioned against Kennesaw State, about dropped the ball and uh, has made it this far. They're not, you know, some big – you know, and in terms of basketball, sure, Xavier's always been there. It's always been a name to watch for. But, you know, it, you know when it comes down to the nitty-gritty and, and the bigger names, you know, obviously Texas is one of them. Uh, you know, I think Xavier, absolutely right, kind of should just kind of go on this and be like, you know what? Uh, we have every right to be here uh, more than Texas does. It's a two versus three matchup. Texas, um, you know, they took care of business against Colgate, um, which is a great three-point shooting team. I know Xavier does have great three-point shooters as well. I believe they're in the top five for three-point shooting teams as well. Um, Colgate did give Texas – uh, some fits at the beginning, and then, you know, they ran away with it. I, Xavier has, you know, this is the 50-50 game for me. I, I, You know, I think the one thing that Texas does have, well, you, we mentioned it before, they have the guards and the bigs. And I think really what's going to, you know, be the difference maker here, how well does Texas's bigs play? If they do, if the, uh, the players like DeSue goes off for Texas, then give me, give me the Longhorns. But if not, 
you know, Xavier has every more, you know, right to be there than Texas does. And I think Xavier could easily win this game. Well, and uh, I know that I, I said earlier, Tom, that Rodney Terry has done enough to be the next head coach of the University of Texas to earn that job full time. But until Penn is to paper, uh, he, he's still coaching with a chip on his shoulder and still to prove something until that job is officially his. And, and for Texas, too, you know, we, we talk about the pressure element. There's always pressure when you're in the University of Texas. And, you know, you're one of two Big 12 teams remaining and the expectation for what Big 12 teams have done in the tournament the last several years. You're kind of carrying the mantle of sorts right now. And also the fact that, hey, you're trying to get to that matchup to play against Texas uh, or play against Houston, your in-state rival, and try to get to the Final Four within your home state there in Houston. I mean, there is there is so much on the line here for Texas um, for not only playing for their head coach, but, uh, I mean, it, it would – it's going to be nuts if uh, if Texas is playing in a Final Four in their home state here next weekend. I mean, this is this is everything. Yeah, and for Terry, you know, if he makes the Elite Eight, hell, I, you know, for me, if I had to pick, I think he deserves the job. He's been there since what, Rick Barnes? Uh, no, he's been there since uh, since oh, uh, Chris Beard got fired. I mean, like before, like he was assistant on staff in the Rick Barnes days. I'm actually not sure about that. I thought he was brought on by, by Chris Beard. But anyway. I'd, I'd have to double check to be sure. But um, I think he's done already more than enough to to win that job. And I think they should give him a shot. Um, it's not like a Jeff Saturday situation with the Colts by any means. Um, he's done enough. And, hell, I think if he beats this Xavier team, you know, it, it, it takes a lot to make the Final Four and it, you know, for this Texas team anyway, I don't like to jerk off Texas by any means because, one, they're Texas. Two, they're going to the SEC, so fuck them. But, <laughs> um, you know, for him, um, I'd like to see him get the head coaching job. And I think if they beat the Xavier team, and then let's say they beat Xavier and lose in the Elite Eight to team maybe like we'll get to like UConn, then, um, you know what, so be it. I, I, I do – I. I it's very weird territory where I root on the Texas Longhorns, and and I, and it's not because I picked him in the bracket, but I do um, find myself rooting for this Terry guy, and uh, and and you know, and I guess until they're you know removed from the Big Twelve, then still uh, still still Big Twelve team, right? Uh, I mean the the story of Rodney Terry. Uh, you asked about that. Um, you know, was brought on as an assistant uh, by Chris Beard back in 2021. But used to be the head coach at UTEP, used to be at Fresno State, was the head coach at both those schools. And, you know, had decent success at Fresno State, took them to the NCAA tournament. Um, UTEP, he only had one season above 500. But this is the first big job he's had. And he, he's been outstanding for what he's done this year at, at Texas and deserves a lot of credit. It's been an awesome job by Rodney Terry. We'll see uh, what Texas can do and if he can keep that job. Uh, I, I'm, I'm rooting That's for story. I'll put it this way. I'm rooting for Rodney Terry. I'm not rooting for Texas, but I'm rooting for Rodney Terry. I mean, that that's the real Cinderella story here. Yes, it is, which is crazy to think about that you can use Cinderella and Texas in the same sentence, but here we are. 
Coming up next, TJ Reeves is going to join us. We'll talk more on the NCAA tournament. Uh, also, Coach Bo is going to stand by. Got plenty of NFL discussion this week to get to. Uh, so you won't want to miss out on that. Tom Fullery also as well. Stick around here on the Jones Report. Don't go anywhere. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week is TJ Reeves, the host of College Basketball Coast to Coast on TuneIn Radio. We'll be covering the Final Four together next week in Houston. He joins us right now. TJ, uh, how we doing? Uh, this is always, I think, when we transition to the second weekend. I'm saying this at the top of the show. We separate the haves from the have-nots. Usually the Cinderella stories, this is traditionally speaking, when they kind of come to an end of some sorts. Yeah, usually that is the case. And first of all, good to be with you. And it gets really good now. And, you know, you and I have been talking off the air, but I've never gotten this direct answer. I think you were part of a Final Four covering it and around it once before and maybe more. But Yes, yeah, so, uh, 2018 you... when, uh, when Kansas was in uh, San Antonio, I covered there that. There we off. go. All right. So this is second time for you and both in the Lone Star State because this is Houston. This is some kind of event that we're building towards. And people um, uh, need, to, uh, need to appreciate uh, the magnitude of the number of people that are there, the schools, you've got four schools that end up getting there. I, I have often said as we build to this, it to me is better than the Super Bowl in that you get four or five days of this with four fan bases and you get three games, not one game. Now, I realize the NFL is much more popular, much more viewed, but you only get one game and you only have two fan bases. And it ends up if it's, you know, kind of a one-sided game like Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kansas City Chiefs. Ooh, I went there. I'm sorry, Tyler. Wow. Uh, that it's not as good a game. But, I mean, recently we've gotten much better Super Bowls, much closer Super Bowls. The one this year in Arizona that your Chiefs won, by the way, Patrick Mahomes' second ring. I see that Patrick I Mahomes photo behind you uh, as we do this interview. We see each other on the video. So you got a good game in that one. And generally speaking, two, if not all three of the final four games are really good. So that's what we're building towards with these teams. But to your point, generally the upsets begin to lessen and the better teams rise to the top for the Elite Eight in the Final Four. That's most of the time. I know we'll probably get around to Princeton in a couple of minutes. Princeton will point to the other New Jersey team, St. Peter's, last year that on the Final Four Thursday night, or actually it was, I think, the Friday night, knocked off Purdue and got into an Elite Eight game with North Carolina. They were one game away from being in the Final Four. Shaka Smart's Virginia Commonwealth. Jim Laranega, who's in this tournament with Miami, and his George Mason team. They took these two steps and made the Final Four. Brad Stevens Butler did it back-to-back -back years. Not only made the Final Four, made the championship game with Butler. In your right. region again, yes, uh, Greg Marshall in Wichita State took these two steps back in 2013 and won both games out in Los Angeles to get there. So generally speaking, yes, this is when the Fairleigh Dickinsons, the Florida Atlantics, the Furmans, the Princetons, the smaller schools, they taper off, they don't make it, but, but maybe for Princeton or for Florida Atlantic, they get one more upset out of this, and we're still talking about them this weekend. Well, and, and you mentioned uh, like the fan bases and all that. I mean, we're in a pretty unique situation of Houston or Texas potentially being in the Final Four in, uh, in Houston here. I mean, what, what a sight that would be. No doubt. And, they, and again, they're playing in Kansas City, and you're very familiar with the Big 12 footprint. I always love your insight. 
They're both favored as the one and the two seed to be playing in the regional final, the Midwest regional final, where what's on the line is not only the final four, but is essentially a home away from home situation where in particular Houston, you're going to sleep in your own bed. You're going to, you're going to practice in your own facility. If you want to, it is truly uh, a home away from home situation for them. Uh, And Texas again, encompasses that entire region Uh, Austin, not far from Houston. So if they make it, it will be burnt orange engulfing NRG stadium, kind of the same way. So you're right. That is a fascinating subplot to what's going to play out on Friday and Sunday. So you mentioned the Cinderella's and those, you know, underdog stories. Uh, We do love underdogs around here. Um, You know, three dog Thursday, check that out. Yes, it does come to mind. Um, With that said, uh, of those teams you talked about, of the Princeton's, the FAU's of the world, those that are still around here, who do you think's got the best shot to get out of this weekend and be in Houston next week? All right, so we we released this on Thursday. The game is Thursday night at Madison Square Garden, but I think Florida Atlantic will give Tennessee some problems, if not have a chance to beat them for a couple of reasons. And again, if you're hearing us on Friday and Tennessee won by 20, Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about, obviously. So in any event, uh, FAU uh, has been in the top 25, Florida Atlantic out of Boca Raton. They've never been ranked before. They've never been in the NCAA tournament before. But they've got a couple of NBA caliber players. I'm not saying they're going to be stars in the NBA, but John L. Davis can score, and he is a big guard who can score. And they've got some size um, as well. I think they can give Tennessee problems on Thursday night, if not win the game. Uh, Again, I may be biased and still bitter that they beat my Memphis Tigers last week in the opening round game. And then obviously they got the benefit of playing the 16 seed, Fairleigh Dickinson, in what was a close game until they put it away on Sunday night. But I, I think they can very much hang in with Tennessee. I am not so sure on Friday night in Louisville, Kentucky, that Princeton gets it done with Creighton. I believe they can play with them. They're athletic. They beat Arizona in the closing moments. Uh, Tyler, they they really were 40-minute wire-to-wire better than Missouri in the second game. They yes. out-rebounded Missouri by 14 rebounds. They they were much better beyond the three-point arc. This Ryan Langborn, their, their outside scorer, has been tremendous in the Ivy League tournament and now in these two NCAA tournament games. Princeton can play. I just think Creighton, with the experience, with Kalkbrenner in the middle, and again, you've spent some time in Omaha and in and around Creighton, and you know the tradition, and Creighton knows – uh, you know, the, the big stage of Madison Square Garden and, and being in the NCAA tournament. If if you're asking me which one has the better chance to win, probably Florida Atlantic Thursday more so than Princeton on Friday night. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, Creighton's kind of finding themselves and uh, looks like a complete team in their win against Baylor. Um, of the, let's talk favorites now. Who has the best chance of getting to Houston next week of the Alabama's of the, you know, uh, UCLA's, the Texas is the Houston's of the world. Who has the best path? I, I would think it's Alabama. You agree? Well, you, yeah, you listed the first one that everybody's got their eyes on. Can Alabama follow through? They have been the number one team on a, on a couple of occasions this season, number one ranked team entering the tournament, number one overall seed. Uh, the, all the controversy around Brandon Miller, which we don't have to go down the road of all of it, but again, it's involving the shooting death of a woman uh, right by the Tuscaloosa campus 
uh, in kind of the party district, restaurant district called The Strip, and it involves multiple Alabama basketball players being there, and one of them is charged with capital murder, and Brandon Miller's involved to the extent that he brought the murder weapon to the scene. Whether he did that knowingly or unknowingly is up to discussion and debate. But this is one of the premier players in college basketball, and he hasn't really had two devastating games so far. There's been some talk that he's got a bit of a groin injury, a bit of a strained groin. He looked better in their second-round game with Maryland than when he went scoreless in their first game with Texas A&M Corpus Christi. They still scored over 90 points without Brandon Miller scoring in the first wow. game. So Alabama is the clear team that you would say this is the favorite to win the whole thing, not just be in Houston, but to win the whole thing. Now, that being said, in this Friday night game with San Diego State, I saw them, Tyler, firsthand courtside in Orlando last weekend in the first and second round at the Amway Center where the Orlando Magic plays. San Diego State, hey, San Diego State, congratulations on being a top 25 team. Congratulations on winning the Mountain West regular season. Congratulations on winning the Mountain West tournament. You, you did everything that you could ask for a Western team. Win, win your conference regular season, have a really good record, win the conference tournament. Hey, come all the way to Orlando. 3,000 miles from San Diego. That's your reward for how well you did. So that's what they had to do. Uh, come to the Eastern time zone. Uh, they they battled Charleston, who was a 30-win team, College of Charleston out of South Carolina. And just watching them with their size, with their, with their rebounding, uh, they grind you. They did it to Charleston. And then Furman's magic just ran out. They guarded the daylights out of Furman, who couldn't make three-point shots. So San Diego State can play some defense. Tyler, I just don't think they score enough to keep up with Alabama, who will go on 8 nothing runs, 10-to-1 runs like lightning. I don't think the Aztecs score enough in the way defensively. So it's a fascinating matchup on paper, but I think Alabama wins, and I think Alabama ultimately emerges, and we're going to see them in Houston, Texas. As for UCLA, what a great game with Gonzaga on Thursday night. Again, with the disclaimer, as we release the Jones Report, if you're hearing us on Friday, and like Gonzaga blew UCLA out by 25 points. I'm going to blame Tyler Jones for that. Don't blame me for that. Blame Tyler for that while we release the podcast. We don't know. We don't know that result, but we think that's going to be a really good game. And, and I will say this. The winner of Gonzaga-UCLA has a great chance to win the national championship, including beating Alabama. And Gonzaga already beat Alabama on a neutral floor. I say again, the winner of Thursday night, Gonzaga-UCLA, don't be surprised that that team's the national champion come Monday night, a week from now in Houston. I'll just put that out there. And then we've already talked Houston and Texas and the East. It's kind of wide open. K-State's the three, Michigan State's the seven. They play each other. Tennessee's the four. I mean, somebody out of Florida Atlantic, Tennessee, Kansas State, and then Izzo's Michigan State goes to the final four. If it's not Michigan State, Florida A&M and Tennessee have never been in the final four. Kansas state has not been in the final four since the 1960s. So yeah. it has been a while for them. Let's just see what happens. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I look at that Kansas state team and, you know, for the people I've talked to, there is a nervousness about that team being content uh, of just happy to be there of sorts, uh, you know, in, in their situation. And you have Tom Izzo who, it's been so good in the month of March. You know, it's January, February, as our boy Rothstein would say. Always. Uh, you know, that that to me, in, in Michigan State's actually favored, according to uh, yes. Vegas and everything. That's a, that, uh, that, that, that's a bad setup, I think, for this Kansas State team to have to be facing Michigan State here, who's, who's turning it on at the right time. 
The one thing about Michigan State is offensively, they've not been great. Yes, they guard. Yes, they rebound. But offensively, they've been inconsistent. They were good, obviously, in the uh, two wins over USC and over Marquette uh, in that pod uh, for the East. But I I think Kansas State with Noel, uh, with the great story with Keontae uh, Johnson off, off of uh, the cardiac arrest situation that he had with the University of Florida. Now he's back three seasons later. He's in the Sweet 16. He's a high-flying player. Jerome Tang is a heck of a coach. Yep. This is going to be a fun matchup. Again, disclaimer, if you're hearing us and you know that it was a one-sided game, Tyler and I don't know that right now, but I'm looking forward to Kansas State and Michigan State, and a lot of people believe, I think you brought this up with me uh, earlier on the college basketball coast-to-coast coverage, that K-State ruined it for Kentucky in this game. What tournament was that? 2018? 2018, yeah. 2018 tournament where Kentucky, it was just set up for them as the highest remaining seeded team because I want to say Loyola Chicago was on the other side, but Kansas State beat Kentucky and then Loyola Loyola Chicago beat K-State to go to the Final Four. Again, this would look like it's set up for Tennessee or for Michigan State. But K-State's, as a program, has been in this position before. They messed it up for Kentucky back five years ago. Are they about to mess it up for the Spartans and maybe for the Volunteers to go to the Final Four? Look out. Let's see what happens. Well, when, when Kansas State doesn't turn the ball over, they can beat anybody in the country. Um, you know, if they can take care of the ball, then they should be in good shape. But we'll, uh, we'll see ultimately how it plays out. Uh, one of the things I love going in this second weekend, TJ, I'm sure you, you've you seen the articles on this, and we talk about this every year. If you had to reseed these teams, I was thinking about it myself. Alabama would be my one still. Houston would be the, the second team. And then I'd go Texas probably as the third team. Gonzaga, UCLA, you know, give or take, whichever way you're feeling there, probably UCLA, then Gonzaga. I feel like that would be how you would start kind of the, the reseeding and then everything would be, you know, maybe a drop off from there. I, I guess the next team maybe would be a, a Creighton or somebody here. I mean, how would you reseed these teams if you were able to start over again going into this? Well, it's Kansas State fan would say, what about us out of the tough Big 12? Uh, Creighton obviously had some success, but they did not win the Big East regular season. They did not win the Big East tournament. You've got Miami in that mix. You've got UConn, who's been playing very well, but again, yeah. they didn't. They didn't win the regular season. They got beat by Marquette in the Big East tournament. Uh, Arkansas with the upset of uh, Kansas last weekend. Sorry, Tyler. I mean, that's uh, that's I mean, another I, talented. I don't think that team. Arkansas team's that great, but they've got NBA caliber players, a couple of them, and Eric Musselman has been in this game over and over again in the Sweet Sixteen. That is going to be a fascinating matchup later on Thursday night in Las Vegas uh, for these two teams, one out of the Northeast, one out of uh, Northwest Arkansas, out of the South, out of the Mid-South, coming to the Vegas Strip to play that game. That's going to be fascinating. But yeah, interesting on the reseeding. And remember that Texas did beat Gonzaga head-to-head out of the conference for whatever that's worth back in December. That was that was practically the first game in the new arena, the Moody Arena. It was one of the first games, yeah. It was one of the first, and it was a national TV game, and they wiped them out. Exactly. So you probably, as much as Gonzaga fan doesn't want to hear that, you would probably put Texas in front of Gonzaga. I believe Chris Beard was still there at that point, too. Yeah, I'm not sure, but again, 
uh, for whatever that's worth in December. I, I'm not I'm not as big as t- on talking about November and December. A lot of these people love to go gaga about those matchups, uh, about who beat whom, because again, the, the Gonzaga win over Alabama that came in Birmingham, that same arena where they played uh, last week in the first round of the tournament, Alabama. Gonzaga beat them decisively, but that's all the way back in November, December. You, you have, not, yes, yeah. 90 days later, with injuries, guys improve, guys go through struggles late in the year that maybe aren't the same. So, yes, there's a lot of variables in there, but I don't disagree with what your what your reseeding is. And then, obviously, as you filter down, Princeton and Florida Atlantic are probably at the bottom of that 16. But, hey, they're also just happy to be here and be part of the madness still on the second weekend. Yeah, I think so. Um, teams that can actually win the national title. Uh, you mentioned that Gonzaga or UCLA could. We haven't talked that about Alabama. Um it, it, who are the teams that you think can actually win this whole ordeal? How, how would you separate those? Again, I think Alabama up at the top, uh, Houston, I think Texas. I've had Texas in the final four in all of my brackets. Now, my brackets yeah. are mostly blown up. They're smoldering. I'm surprised you can't smell them. Oh, you're, you're a multi-bracket guy? I'm a multi. Well, I'm no, a multi. You can't do that, I, TJ. I have filled, well, but I fill out in multiple leagues, and in all of them, I have the same thing. I okay, have well, that's Texas. not multiple brackets. Then. That's, that's well, but, but multiple contests. Yes. And yes. I'm, I'm blown up every which direction, I'm telling you. But one of the few things I got right to this point is Texas. Now, watch. Watch them lose to Xavier. But I have them in the final four. So obviously, if I believed that, I believe they can win the national title. We mentioned Gonzaga, UCLA. UConn certainly has the size and has the scoring capability to be there as well as kind of a dark horse national champion. I don't, I don't think Creighton, Princeton, Florida Atlantic, Tennessee, even Michigan State, Kansas State, I'm just going down the list, Xavier, I don't think any of those teams can win four more games. I say again on that list, I don't know that any of them, and probably Miami – Two, but out of Gonzaga, UCLA, Texas, Houston, UConn, eh, maybe Arkansas, but of those other, what did I list? Five, those right. teams can all win four more games. Alabama, Houston, Texas, Gonzaga, UCLA, I would say. Okay. Uh, very good points. DJ Reeves joining us, uh, tune in radio, college basketball coach, coach, as uh, we're talking about the second weekend of the NCAA tournament here. DJ, uh, Thomas and I were talking, uh, just a little while ago uh, about kind of this NCAA tournament. I think one of the things that's worked out so well, you know, we complained for so long about the, the one and done system and all this, but now we actually have stars that have been around a minute that people know. I mean, Drew Timmy's been here a minute, Uh, you know, I mean, some of these other players you look at through the tournament that have become notable names, Marcus Carr, uh, you know, even Brandon Miller, obviously, you know, Hawkes, Hawkes at UCLA has been around for three seasons, including I the mean, final four a couple of years ago. Good point. Hawkes and Drew Timmy. I mean, between those two and then Gonzaga and UCLA, uh, I mean, it, the, the familiarity, it almost feels like a rivalry of some sorts to me. I, I feel like college basketball is, is benefiting tremendously of this transfer portal system and these guys getting the extra COVID year and everything. Uh, it, it seems like it's been good for the sport and good for interest here. Well, and a couple of things. We go back to those final fours, plural, in 2016 in Houston and then 2018 in San Antonio. And in both of those cases, Villanova came out on top. And Jay Wright kind of laid out the blueprint of having guys buy in 
that your second year, your third year in the program is where we're going to really excel and you're going to really excel and you're going to help your NBA value and more. And he won two national titles doing it. And that made a lot of people sit back and go, hmm, maybe the whole one and done thing, maybe the whole transfer portal to get a guy for one year, the graduate transfer, maybe that's it's not all that. It's 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 maybe more than just that. Uh, I realize the landscape has greatly changed over the last couple of years with the transfer portal, but I mean, it's no accident that UCLA has got a nucleus of about three guys, including Tiger Campbell, the point guard and Haquez, and they are back. Uh, that Gonzaga group, again, they've had a couple of players move on, but uh, Strother and Timmy, Timmy was open about this a year ago in the summer, about 10 months ago, where he said, from everything I'm being told, I am probably not a first-round pick. I'm probably a second-round pick. People may be surprised to hear that, that the NBA is not as interested maybe in his skill set, his athleticism. So his thing was, I can make more money from NIL, the name, image, and likeness stuff, coming back to Gonzaga than I would make without a guaranteed contract in the second round in the NBA if I get drafted in the second round. Or what happens if I'm undrafted? So Timmy's thing was, I'm going to stick around and take the NIL money. Uh, for that. And there's some other players that I think are contemplating that. I just saw right as we're getting ready to do the podcast that Armando Baycott of North yeah. Carolina, who a lot of people believed last year at this time is a first round NBA pick. For whatever reasons, plural, he will be back at North Carolina to your point to try to hold it together. That's a that's an a, an all ACC performer the last two years, a big man. Yes, he's got NIL money. But it's to your point that some of these guys want to hang around for a second year, for a third year, be part of college, be part of trying to win a title. I find that refreshing, Tyler Jones. Well, and, uh, you know, the I know that there was situations in the past where we said, well, you're, you're holding these guys back from being in the NBA and all this. But, I mean, the, the, the G League Ignite thing uh, has had some pretty decent talent do their own thing. Obviously, you can go overseas and all that. I mean – if your intentions are solely on pro basketball and you don't care about the college game, I, I would say, TJ, that that door is still open for you to do that. I mean, you don't have to play college basketball, and college basketball's proven we don't necessarily need you either. I mean, there's a there's a pathway to for for both parties to be satisfied right now. Yes. And then you look at the smaller programs that we've been talking about that have had success in this tournament or in their own postseason, like a Princeton or like a Furman or like a Florida Atlantic. Uh, and you go on and on down the list of, of the ones that qualified, you know, go out to the to the Missouri Valley or where you are, the Southland Conference kind of in the middle of the country, the Horizon League that I get to work every year. You see the same players. Uh, two years removed, th even three years removed, you see the same players because they understand that the college part of this, the camaraderie, that, uh, yes, I could maybe go make six figures and go play internationally over in Europe, but right now I want to enjoy this. For another season or two, I want to enjoy the nucleus. If you're in the Mountain West or you're in the Big West, uh, you know, the Big West being a better example of being a smaller mid-major conference. If you're a player in the Mid-America Conference, if you're a player in Conference USA, uh, sticking around for the extra year or two and having success, that, that's not all bad. Because as you mentioned, there are enough leagues internationally, professionally, and even the G League here where you can still go get a check if you're good enough. Maybe you're not a multimillionaire, but you can still go get a check, and that will still be there at age 23. That will still be there at age 24. Your college stuff, though, is over. 
if you go to play professionally at 20 and you may be regretting uh, that, hey, I, I washed out of whatever pro league and I didn't I didn't stick around for that extra year or two of being part of winning a championship at my school, being part of March Madness and this time of the year. I missed that and I missed out on that a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, I think there goes something to be said, too, about besides just collecting your NIL money of state in school, but the idea of you know creating your brand and recognition of there, there's so much value, I think, of of who you are as a college player. I mean, Jalen Suggs, his NBA career hasn't gotten that great at this point. Don't we all still know him more, uh, even the casuals, for his half-court shot at Gonzaga than any Absolutely. of the NBA and Absolutely. You're top prospect? Yes, and and to that point, I've said this for years, and I, I don't think I'm I, I'm in a minority opinion. The NBA money will still be there if you are good, if you are talented, because you know the agents, and everybody else are going. Oh, you got to go grab that money now. You got to turn pro. You got. I mean, that could be gone. You could get hurt. You go. Uh, yes, all of those things are true. Or you could be like Suggs and countless others, and you show up and realize, my God, I'm going up against 28 and 30 year olds that have been doing this for the last eight or nine years and guard the daylights out of you, and physically bang you around, and it's 82 games, not 30, and I'm 19, 20 years old, battling 26, 27, 28-year-olds doing this, it ain't the same thing. It is a much bigger challenge. And yes, uh, we would all take we would all take the guaranteed money on the surface, on the face of, would you take the money if they offered it to you? But by the same token, you can't tell me that Jalen Suggs wouldn't have still had lottery pick value had he not played in, in this past season, not the current season. If he had played a year ago at Gonzaga and been contending in the NCAA tournament, he'd have still been a lottery pick. Right. That money would still be there. And for the elite, for the top-level guys, if you're good enough, that money will still be there the following year. It is still there. I realize there's a risk of injury. Uh, but you know what? There's a risk of injury when you get to the NBA, too. Look at Zion Williamson, who played one year at Duke. Has he been healthy for more than about seven games in a row with the New Orleans Pelicans? Right. I'm not sure, sarcastically, if he has. I understand he wanted to turn pro. I understand he was going to be the number one pick and all the endorsements. But you can't tell me if Zion Williamson had played a second year at Duke that he wouldn't have still been a lottery pick, top five pick, if not the first pick, the following year in the NBA. There you go. I'm off my soapbox. Uh, last thing before we go, we'll wrap up on this. Uh, next week, we mentioned you and I are going to be at the Final Four. A little inside baseball here. For people that don't know, the event that goes on here, I mean, it, it's like a festival of some sorts. you got the the National Coaches Conventions going on as well. Give an inside scoop. What What is going to be going on uh, like behind the scenes that – people aren't going to see just everything surrounding the final four here. Well, it's amazing how this thing has grown. I have been privileged to be around this event. Now going back, you were on the planet. I think when I first went to this in, uh, in 1999, I was close to right there. Okay. So I first was around this starting in 1999 when it was here in my area, in the Tampa Bay area in St. Petersburg at Tropicana field uh, for the win by UConn and Jim Calhoun for the first national title. All right, so subsequent years, it was in Indianapolis in 2000. Um, it was in Minneapolis in 2001. You began to see the event grow, but certainly um, now it has mushroomed in terms of importance. Television has a lot to do with that. The mega TV deals mean that all the games are on standalone, different networks where you can see them in, in their entirety. 
Uh, they're staggering them out here for the Sweet 16. But, I mean, even on the first weekend, games that traditionally were all going on at the same time and you could only really watch one of them or maybe two of them, now you can see them all. So that helps grow the game. Uh, and it, they become events, concerts that will be going on. Different sponsors have different parties and events. And again, Tyler, this is still the case. You're going to have tens of thousands of fans of this school or that school. Like you mentioned, Houston and Texas. If one of them makes the final four, you will easily have 10,000, 15,000 Houston fans, 20, 25,000 in the local area that want to come that don't have tickets to the game, but they'll come be around the fan fest. They'll be around the concerts. They'll be around all the atmosphere of Friday into Saturday in the final four games, the Sunday, the Sunday night concert, all the build up to the national title. I mean, they will come from everywhere, whether it's the Alabama fans, the UConn fans, the the uh, Gonzaga fans, tens of thousands of extra fans come to be part of the event. That's how big it has gotten from the 2010s, really now into the 2020s. The event is just amazing. You can testify because you were around it in 2018. I'm telling you it's even crazier now having been at these things the last couple of years. We've, we've come off the COVID-19 uh, situation where you had limited fans and the games were in Indianapolis. A year ago, uh, everything unfolded in New Orleans. And that, I mean, granted, you had Duke, you had North Carolina, you had Kansas. Uh, and what was the other one? Michigan State, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm Off the top of my head. You had all of those fan bases that were there. Uh, and it was amazing in the French Quarter. It, I mean, you, there were tens of thousands of people. And you're going, not all of these people have tickets to get in the Superdome. Right. So just to be part of it, to be part of the event. That's what's coming to Houston I'm thrilled to be there. I'm thrilled to be there with you coming up. Oh, yeah. Should be a great time. TJ, as always, appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy uh, my guy Baker Mayfield there in Tampa, too, by the way. Yes, uh, Baker Mayfield on his way down here. There's never an offseason in the NFL. We got the college hoops. We got everything going on. And you and I will have a blast on the College Basketball Coast to Coast show, wherever you get podcasts, on the TuneIn channel, talking up March Madness, talking up whatever happens this weekend, and then getting ready for the final four coming up. Cannot wait, my friend. Should be good. Can't wait. TJ Reeves joining us here at the Jones Sport this week. It's time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagcast.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com, and you can check out the Coach Bo Knows podcast out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. And Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing? Doing good. How are you doing today, Tyler? Very well. Uh, very well, Bo. Uh, I'm still uh in uh March sadness mode after uh my my Jayhawks there in, in your neck of the woods and Lawrence lost last week. What what a collapse that was. Yeah, it didn't even look good at that game. It 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 was funny. You know it's funny when you get to like even the first day, day of that whole tournament, you see somebody get on social media. It's like looking at like the waterfall of people going, well my back bracket's busted. Well my bracket's busted. Mine didn't get busted till Sunday. So I felt like that was a positive. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I, when Marquette lost, then I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> that one got me. Right. I feel like I had kind of avoided all the pitfalls before that, and then bam. Yeah. I lost two Final Four teams in the first weekend with Marquette and Kansas. So Yeah. Well, I um, lost Marquette, and I had them in the final game. It's the only Final Four team I lost, but it's the only – I mean, I have them in the final game, but they're not going to – Yeah. I'm in a pool. I'm only in one pool this year. 
Okay. And there was like 46 people in this pool. This is how you know. If you live in Lawrence, Kansas, don't pick Kansas ever to win. Literally 30 out of 46 pick Kansas. They're out. So, yeah, there's going to be years like last year where they do win and you're not going to win. But the overwhelming majority of the time, they're not going to win. So at least they going to pick them back. back. I mean, they're going to be yeah. the third team ever. This Kansas yeah. team, Kansas team was not that good to go back to back. Right. Uh, like I mean, so I was like, when Kansas lost, and I had them losing like in the final eight. But when Kansas lost, I was like, there's a lot of people lost their national champion. I was like, all right, I'm still in this bad boy. Oh yeah, like I, I'm in a graph a. Uh, Bracket pool uh, run by a former coworker of mine from the radio station, and uh, she's she told me she messaged me like after the tournament started, and you could see everyone else's bracket. She's like, Alabama, really? I'm like, yeah, I got Alabama winning it all. What's what's the issue here? And she's like, you didn't pick your own team, you didn't pick Kansas. I said, no, Alabama's the best team in America. They got Brandon Miller. They got the best player. No, I mean, I mean, sorry, I mean. That's how this is uh, going to go. Just being honest, uh, but and he's playing to... like the best player now. Isn't he fun to watch? He is. He's player. I mean, when he hits those threes and he's just going bang, you know. I mean, it's it's incredible to watch. You know, he's just he's just sniping up defenses left and right. You know, it's just incredible what we're seeing from him. Um, with that said, let's talk uh, some football, Bo. Uh, the Jets. Since we last talked, and uh, as this show goes live on the internet at the moment, Aaron Rodgers is not officially a Jet. There have been some moves made. Alan Lazard is headed there. McCall Hardman also headed there. And Elijah Moore is out. I like Elijah Moore. I don't understand this idea of bringing in McCall Hardman, who I don't like at all, to be honest, he's a terrible route runner, and Patrick Mahomes couldn't stand him. They were never on the same page. And letting go Elijah Moore, who they've never liked for whatever reason and struggled to get a playing time despite how talented he is. Uh, what do you make of what's going on in Green Bay here this uh, last week? Well, on the Hartman thing, going back to the Jets for a sec, the Hartman and Moore thing, it, it, you know, it could that could be salary cap stuff. That could be – just length of contracts, that kind of thing. You never know. I'd look at that. Uh, maybe with more than thinking they don't want to give him an extension. And with Hartman, you're going to give him a one-year deal. It ain't going to be much longer than that. So probably cap-friendly as well. With the Packers and this thing with Rodgers now, you know, there were reports even 10 days, two weeks ago, that the trade had been agreed to. It was just a matter of whether Rodgers wanted to go to the Jets. And then Rodgers says to Pat McAfee that, yeah, I want to go to, I want to play and I want to play for the Jets. From there, you would think that it just would, it just would have snapped decision. But I think there's a lot to do with the salary cap. You know, what when you move certain players before or after April 1st or, or June 1st, how does that designation going to work? Do you save money on the cap? You know, what about the draft coming up? So, I think there's probably some I, – I, if I had to guess, this is just my pure speculative guess, I'm guessing that we see the Rodgers trade go through the weekend of the draft at some point. Okay. That maybe if they're including some draft picks in this, 
there could be a trade up situation. It could be that the that the Packers are saying, okay, you got a pick coming up, and we want this player. Draft that player, or you know, trade us the pick now. But they're going to wait till they're maybe the Jets are on the clock, or or a pick before something like that. Seeing how the draft would go first in front of them. That that's my guess. I really don't know. I would have thought, all things being equal, the trade would have just been turned on and done. Packers get all the leverage of, here, right? Yes, now they do because Rodgers only wants to go to one place. And now the Jets have made the decision that they're going to take him. It's just a matter of, all right. And they've probably got the framework of a trade worked out. It's probably a timing issue. They probably have an agreement on that as well. That's just, again, purely my speculation. I don't think it's terrible, terrible speculation either. I think it's probably something along those lines. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right about that. The other quarterback that we're waiting on, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, he's been able to talk to teams officially for a week now. No formal offers yet uh, that we know of anyway, uh, nothing publicly. We heard the report from Florio uh, from Pro Football Talk, and take it at, at your will, I mean, it is Florio, um, that Lamar is ready to move on. Uh, yeah. but we haven't heard that from Lamar himself and you know, he said all the right things and everything. And the Ravens have indicated they want Lamar back and yeah. all this stuff, yada, yada, yada. Um, we have heard that Lamar is willing to play on the franchise tag. This, it doesn't seem like any end is in sight here. I mean, just continues to drag on and on and on. I mean, people complain about the Aaron Rodgers deal. This Lamar Jackson deal. I, I don't know how this is going to play out and how long this is going to go. Yeah, I I would think that it can't go on much longer than the draft. Yeah, you guys start getting ready for camp. But I mean, if a team were to move down, and you maybe a team gets an extra draft pick, and then they decide, hey, maybe they've been talking to Lamar, and they think, well, we can get this pick too, because it's going to be two first rounds. We know that if they don't get matched, you know. So what if a team misses on one of those four quarterbacks in front of the top of the draft? And they go, well, we don't get one of those four. Let's go back, see if we can get an extra one or an extra two somewhere, make the trade and sign, you know, not make the trade, but sign Lamar. And then you're you're giving up uh, you know, the, the lower pick. I don't know. I, I don't know how this is going to work yet. I don't think you can give up a, a 2023 pick this close to draft. I don't know if that's part of the rules. I have to check all that out. The big thing to me is that Baltimore has, in my opinion, done a poor job knowing that this guy is their franchise, Mm -hmm. knowing that he is the most important player in their franchise history, not not outside of Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. He's the most important quarterback they've ever had. And – the fact they've treated him this way, a guy who's already been an MVP, who's 27, is that right, or 26? 26, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's in the prime of his career. This should have been a no-brainer a long time ago. And I also think that you've got a good guy. Look, Lamar Jackson's a good dude. You, you ain't heard anything bad about Lamar Jackson off the field. And in a league where we've got these problems, players – 
Man, that's that's worth a lot of money to me. I I think you know, I talked about this, we talked about this offline, we talked about it for a couple weeks now. That the Ravens are trying to get somebody else to set the price for them. They'll say, okay, here's what we'll give you. Here's what we'll give Lamar. You only got to match this. And teams don't want to come in and give them a guaranteed contract, whether that's because of a collusion situation or something else. Again, we can speculate on that. But um, I got to think that someone's going to come in here and do something. If not, then to me, that screams collusion. And the Ravens can put him on a franchise tender. It's never worked for anybody to wait the whole year to not sign it and become a free agent. It didn't work. You know, the biggest one was Le'Veon Bell. It did not work well for him. I wonder how a quarterback would be different. For those who don't know what we're talking about, Lamar has to sign the deal in order to be able to receive the equivalent of what it's the top. It's the five. Pay, it's because he's a exclusive so it's 32 million. He's right? not exclusive. So it's 32 million. Yeah. 32 million. If he was exclusive. It would have been a higher number. Yeah. Would have been 42. <laughs> so you go, he's going to go, if he, if he accepts the franchise tag, then he accepts it. He takes a 32 million. He can, they can franchise him one more time next year. And then he'd become a free agent. You know, what do you do if you're Lamar? I mean, he's, the worst case scenario, he's playing ages 26 and 27, a little underpaid. But he's a full-on free agent now. So I I don't know what the solution is going to be. I think Baltimore screwed this up a little bit because that's a guy you keep happy. I think he's just too important to a franchise. Well, then you look at two. They are, I think, the only team this free agency period that hasn't signed anybody. Not a single free agent. And so you're playing, you know, grab ass with this contract situation and not getting a deal done. And in the process, you're holding everything else up, opportunities to get your roster improved and better. Um, I mean, as you like to say, Bo, I mean, either shit or get off the pot. Yeah. Here's my question. This just popped in my head. What if the Ravens are tanking? Uh, I, I would. Who, who I think that's a reach because they. I think they would already yeah. be trading off other guys by now. But I. Yeah, see you, but I, I agree. I'm just wondering if you could. I mean, if you they hadn't signed anybody, literally. I think they're I, too talented to tank. I mean, with yeah. Mark Andrews, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Williams. I mean, yeah. I I think you're right. That, again, I just kind of came to mind. I had not given that any thought till I just said that, but. It just I don't I don't know how else to explain. It. Yeah, that's where I'm at with this. It's a bizarre ordeal, that's for sure. It is. Yeah. Um, one more. He's quarterback. too good a quarterback to not be under contract. Somewhere. I agree. I agree. One more quarterback. Then we'll move on to some other things. Cam Newton. Um, been a while since we've talked about Cam. Um, yeah. did not play anywhere next uh, this past season. Um, he did come out and say that. He doesn't think there's 32 starting quarterbacks uh, better than him. Um, he was at Auburn's Pro Day and worked out there. Um, I, I don't like current players, you know, going to college Pro Days and that's supposed to be, you know, tension put on these prospects, but that's a whole other story. With that being said, uh, Cam Newton, I, I wonder here, you know, Cam went to New England 
lost that job, got cut, you know, when Mac Jones won the starting job. Goes to Carolina and went there to be a backup, started a few games, and, you know, they didn't bring him back after that. When you're Cam Newton, it sounds like that he's gunning for, I want to be a starter or I'm not playing. I mean, I, I, that that's the vibe I get. Are we? Re- am I reading that correctly here? I mean, it doesn't seem like Cam has any interest in being a backup here. No, I don't think so either. I, you know, he comes out and says there's not 32 quarterbacks better than me. First off, he's right. I mean, that guy still got something in the tank. He's better than some of these guys. I'd take him over Jimmy Garoppolo tomorrow. I'd take him over Derek Carr tomorrow. But that's why I'm not a Saints fan. <laughs> off that, I'm getting off that narcotic. Um, <clears throat> but in that, what I want to take not not take issue with what you said because I do think that you're coming from the right place on something. You're talking about the Auburn thing and how it takes away from the kids who are the seniors who are the players. You already had your pro day, Cam. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I don't think, in the Auburn sense, it's a bad thing. I think it puts more eyes on Auburn in a program that desperately needs it. More eyes. Yeah. So I think in this case, I'm kind of forgiving him on that. I don't think I think he gets a pass on that. Piece. Okay. Um, as far as you know, can he still play? Look. We know the guy's been banged up those last few years as well. His body's taken a beating because of the way he plays quarterback. A year off, if he got healed, <clears throat> pardon me, and if he's in good shape and healthy, Cam Newton could be a average quarterback in the NFL. He'd be a really nice quarterback for a team with a young quarterback that's going to sit that quarterback for a year. Mm-hmm. You know, you go draft an Anthony Richardson and Cam Newton's the guy in front of him. That might be a good deal. If- I know it doesn't sound like he's interested in being backup, but I got to tell you, if I'm a team and I need a backup, the idea Cam would intrigue me. Of oh, yeah. The fact how, how he's a former MVP, went to the Super Bowl and everything, great athlete, but you think about, okay, if my guy gets hurt, Cam can go out there and win for me. He can do the job. And yeah. then on top of that, too, what about like a short yardage or a wildcat package or something like that? You bring him in. I don't have to use my quarterback and quarterback sneaks or stuff like that. I mean, you could create stuff for Cam still, and he can still be effective there. I mean, he yeah. he might not be the fastest, but he, he I mean, he's still a uh, a bulldozer. You know, he can still you know get you a couple yards on uh, yeah. third and two. I'll say I'll say I kind of like what you're saying. I'll say it even further. He's the greatest read option quarterback of all time. Yeah. So if I can have Cam Newton as my back, go ahead, Tom. The Jones wants to use him like Blake Bell. To an extent, I would say even more. I would trust him to pass the football a whole lot more than Blake Bell, though. Oh yeah. Yeah, I just I'm just giving you hell. I'm just being the antagonist here. I mean, Cam Newton to me, I like the idea if I'm a top team, him being my backup quarterback, and then for you know, putting something in at the goal line, putting something in for fourth down, you know, or just having a package. I've always been as a coach, I don't like having two quarterbacks. I believe the Steve Spurrier line of if you have two quarterbacks, you got no quarterbacks. But we're talking but if about if you have an established if, starter. Yes. If you have a defined line, this is one, Cam is two. 
then I really don't have a problem with that. And, and I, like I said, I think that not only is he, you know, physically, I mean, he's just so big. He's so hard to take down. He's a lot like Josh Allen in that way, but Cam did it for a long time. He's just got a lot of, he's got a lot of miles in those tires. Just because so, of how he plays. It's, it's like a running back in many ways. So Tom mentioned the, the Blake Bell thing. There's an example for you right there, Kansas City. I don't think they're probably going to bring back Blake Bell um, with, you know, the the guys they had that, that developed the tight end spot this year that were better than Blake Bell. And they were using him, you know, in those, you know, belldozer packages and, you know, every once in a while throw the ball every blue moon. Patrick's your guy. Um, obviously, you know, Chad Henney ended up retiring. Andy Reid, we know the quarterback whisperer he is. Can you imagine Andy bringing in Cam to back up Patrick in, in Kansas City and what, what Andy could dial up for Cam? Yeah, I, it wouldn't even be a lot of the whole dial up. I, it would be hard for me to – okay, I see where you're going, and I totally remember, don't disagree. Let me this one, one point real quick. Andy doesn't let Patrick Mahomes do short yardage runs anymore. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is that if he's not going to let him – then yes, that makes sense. Um, my big thing is that I I want that co- Patrick Mahomes is still a big man. I mean, he's not a small quarterback. He's a six foot five, two hundred thirty pound monster. So I don't have any problem with him doing a one yard or two yard carry. I really don't. Um, Andy Reid does, but I think you might see if Cam Newton is your backup, let Patrick Mahomes run it. What's the worst that can happen? That one percent chance he gets hurt. Hey, we'll just roll Cam Newton out there. Pretty good insurance policy. He'd be a great insurance policy for a Dak Prescott. Yep. He'd be a great insurance policy in San Francisco. That one would be tough, though, because you've got the young quarterback. Right. You know, that would be a tough one. But the I'm thinking system-wise. Right. You know, Washington, Baltimore, if they can't make a deal with Lamar Jackson. Run the same damn offense with Cam Newton. So there's some places that should be looking at him. Atlanta? Yeah. You know, he, that guy is too talented that if if he's right, and I think a lot of the problems in 2022, well, August 2021, and then, you know, late in the season in January, I think a lot of those problems was he was a little bit older. He was, he was hit a lot, and I think he was unhealthy. That was part of it that he just wasn't healthy. You give that guy a year of rest, he's out there throwing. Let's see what he looks like. I, it doesn't hurt you to kick the tires. Yeah, I like that. Uh, makes some really good points there. Uh, the Cowboys go with uh, with Jones, Ronald Jones from Kansas City, won a Super Bowl, of course, with the Bucks. Uh, he's going to back up. Tony Pollard there. They still might draft a running back, too. I know they've talked about Bijan potentially even. Um, but with that said, you look at Zeke. Seems like his days in Dallas are over with. He was already cut. Now he's sitting there in the free agent market. I, I Here's where I look at, Bo. The stat watchers will look at Zeke and say, year seven, he still had 12 touchdowns, over 800 yards. Zeke still got it. If, if, if you're saying that, you don't know ball because the reality is Zeke is cooked, does not have any speed left, 
He was averaging less than four yards carry. I mean, those touchdowns came in short yardage <laughs> attempts. I, I'm I'm out on 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 acquiring Zeke if I'm a team. I, I'm I'm not taking that chance for what the money he wants. Well, I kind of disagree with you a little bit. So I see where you're going with the stat thing. Pollard was a much better, you know, per carry, per reception, everything with than in Zeke. If you watch, defenses played different when Zeke was in the game. They put extra guy in the box. They knew yeah. the ball. They knew they were more likely to run the ball. That has more to do with McCarthy and calling plays than anything else. Um, I don't think Zeke's a primary running back. But we're in a league now where you need two or more. You need a committee. I think he's a really good guy in a committee. You know where I think he'd be a really good fit? The New York Jets. Yeah. You put him back on that back offense. Back up Brees Hall. Backing up Brees Hall, and he's a guy who you can get a yard with, and guys are going to want to play with Rodgers if he goes there. That's the kind of thinking I got. See, if I'm Zeke, what I'm thinking now is I'm not going to get front-line money ever again. So let's go somewhere where I can win. Kansas City would be another great place for him. He, it's just, It's just where can he be effective in an offense where he's not the key guy so that when he's in the game, you don't have to put in an extra man defensively because the rest of the offense is too good. I mean, he's you just put – You he's put not in fast. Indianapolis or Tennessee, that doesn't work. He's not fast anymore, though. It, it's not about that. It, it really isn't. It, it, the difference between him and Pollard is that Pollard's a 4-2-4-3 guy, 4-3 guy. Yeah. Zeke's never been to the 4-3 guy. The difference is that he can run between the tackles better. It's yeah. just a style. And the league is not about one back. Yeah. Only Derrick Henry is a one is a one back back. Yeah. I mean, you could call McCaffrey, I guess, one too. But really, as far as just being a primary runner, McCaffrey does a lot of stuff with the passing game. Zeke won't do that, but Zeke's a perfect fit on a good team where he can get you, he can chew up yards late in games, and he can get you tough yards. One third down, a fourth down, you know, those kind of things. That's where I see the value in Ezekiel Elliott. It's not to be, you know, 250 carries and try to get 1,200 yards. I do agree. His numbers don't look good, especially you look at per carry, but that has everything to do with the offense. If you look, when Pollard go in the game, people were automatically worried about the passing game, so they go into a nickel defense. You got an extra linebacker in there because of Zeke, kind of hard to run the football. So it gets predictable. But again, a team that can play around with it, have some pieces moving all over the board, which is what running backs are now. Uh, let's talk about the Raiders. I, I, he, he'd be someone I'd take on a, team, on a good team. What did you say, Tom? I didn't say anything. Oh, I thought I heard something there. My bad. Um, yeah, Zeke is interesting. Um you know, I'd rather go with a young running back personally, you know, even if that means a day three pick to be my number two. But uh, I, I feel like the loss of speed is there with Zeke. But I wonder what this, before we move on to the Raiders here, um, seven years, it's been a good run for Zeke, no question about it. Um, Bo, is, is Zeke a Hall of Famer right now? I don't think so. No. I don't think he's had a Hall of Fame career. There's never been a point where we said he was the best running back in the league. 
I thought that that rookie year he looked like the best, but not since then. Probably rookie year. I mean, I I don't. I mean, he's, he's not, not Derrick Henry levels. Never has been. Yeah, that's a great place where I was going to go too. Is that like Derrick Henry is a bona fide Hall of Famer? I mean, yeah, sure, but he's not even been close, in my opinion. Yeah. He, he, he never led that team. Is I mean, and and you know, Derek. I mean, that team has had pieces that you know maybe that Tennessee and Tennessee's arguably made it further in the playoffs than Dallas has yeah. the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I look at it. The last full time Hall of Fame back was Adrian Peters. Mm-hmm. The two guys in the league right now who I think can be Hall of Famers, I think Derrick Henry is going to be one. And I think that um, – um, oh, God, I just said his name. Um, San Francisco. Oh, McCaffrey. Yes. Um, I think he has a chance. But, again, it's not a primary 250 carries kind of thing. That day is gone. Yeah. Zeke's had a really good career. He's going to still be in the league in two or three years. Think of Zeke now as Reggie Bush at the end of his career. Okay. Not as fast as Reggie Bush, but he's gonna he's gonna dart around to two or three places before he's done. Okay. And uh, there's gonna be times he's gonna look fantastic. There's gonna be times he's gonna look bad. This is the yeah. nature of the beast. Got a lot a lot less tread on the tires now than he used to. Let's shift gears now and talk about the uh, Raiders ball. They've made a lot of moves. Uh, Dave Ziegler, you know, their GM and head coach Josh McDaniels certainly retooled that roster a lot. But even with that said, it's not like that they got any better. Um, probably worse, quite frankly, when you look at that Raider team. Most recently, you bring in Austin Hooper after trading Darren Waller, one of the top three or four tight ends in the league. So he replaces Waller now. Um, what, what, what are the Raiders doing here? I mean, the, these moves here, they have – They've been aggressive, but it, it, it feels like they're going backwards. Yeah. I think the rate, I don't know what the hell the Raiders are doing. And I look at it and I go, well, you, get, you had Derek Carr, you trade Derek Carr, and you go and get Jimmy Garoppolo, which I think you had the best text on this. You text me when that happened. You said it's like going from Chili's to Applebee's. It is. It's there's no difference in those two guys. I like Jimmy G for his price tag better than I do paying for Derek Carr, but yeah. he's a lesser quarterback. Yeah, I mean you're getting a you're getting a pretty sick look. It's it's like if you're at Walmart and got the red sticker on it. You know you're getting a <laughs> discount on that guy. There is a reason. That's an open box special there on Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and then you go and get you you. You get rid of one of the best tight ends in the league. I mean, Darren Wall is a top five tight end. Austin Hooper, again, is a fine player. And he's a contributor kind of player, but he ain't replacing Derek Wall. And then you go and see what they're done with um, a couple other moves. It's like, are you just turning into New England West? Is that what you want to be? Kobe Myers. You hope Kobe Myers comes over. and then. It, but what I mean by that, really, not just the Jacoby Myers signing, it's that they will do – it seems like Josh McDaniels wants nobody who is high-priced or, or has a name, you know, that has a name value that's bigger than – and that can be bigger than anybody else. And I just – I don't know what the hell the, the Raiders are doing. 
Their team is is worse today than it was at the end of the season. And that's with a benched quarterback. That's pretty bad. That's saying something for sure. Um, another uh, NFL note uh, on this front. Uh, Bo, Commanders, uh, ownership situation. Uh, sounds like that uh, there could be a Canadian billionaire now involved, potentially yeah. buying the team. We've heard Jeff Bezos' name thrown around. What's going on with the Commanders' ownership situation? I've heard that Bezos wants to try to buy the team. But there's two issues there. One is the NFL trying to figure out how to deal with that since he's a, a primary shareholder of Amazon and there's some issues there. But then also that Daniel Snyder does not want to sell Jeff Bezos the team. It's a personal thing. Um, and there's a, there's a personal thing with those two. They don't like each other, uh, especially um, Snyder does not like Bezos. He doesn't care what the price tag is. He doesn't want to sell it to Bezos. Daniel Snyder's in more trouble with now being sued by some of his um, minority owners that he pushed out a couple of years ago. It this, and I don't know who, and I haven't even heard the name of the Canadian billionaire. I just know it's a Canadian billionaire. I didn't read the whole article. You know, getting more bidders in is going to help Snyder, but this league is going to push this thing fast because they don't want anything to do with Daniel Snyder right now. And Ostapolos, uh, I probably butchered okay. that. It's a long name, yes. Okay, I don't know who that is. So I mean, you know, I I was trying to come up with the finance. I had about eight hundred bucks, and I was like, they won't, they won't, they won't lend it to me on credit. I was like, I got a good credit score, and they said, no, it's just not enough. So, <laughs> well, it, Snyder wanted me to pay off that fifty-five million dollar loan that he took out. You know, the hush money thing, or not the hush money, the the extra money thing, and I didn't have enough cash hanging around for that. So, isn't that the dream for every every man? Like, if you said you can own one thing, it'd be an NFL team. Oh God, it would be so wonderful. Like, it, I would choose that over NBA, NHL, MLB, any of that any day. Own an NFL team. Yeah, I think owning an NFL team. I can only think of like three or four other franchises in any sport that would be competitive would be comparable. I mean. You know, the Lakers, um, the Yankees, Yankees and the Red Sox or the Cubs, um, the Celtics, the Celtics would be up there. Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to own the Spurs just so I could sit courtside every single day. Yeah, but I mean, like, value wise, the Spurs aren't going to come close to any NFL franchise. Well, no, surely not. But I mean, sure, I could own the Rams as my favorite team, but. At that time, I'm like, you know what? I think I'd rather own the Spurs. Uh, money aside, okay. Well, you're you're on an island there because we're talking we're talking at dollars and cents here. Uh, you yeah, know, but the, the nice thing about an NFL team is it's just printing money. Yes. The issue is if you're one owner, you better have a shitload of it. Like you got to be a billionaire. Yeah. Because if you don't, if you're borrowing the money. Or you've got the, all these different owners with you, like most teams have to now. Eventually, you have a money issue when it comes to signing a big free agent. You got to put money in escrow for, or when you die, you want to pass it along to the kids. If you don't have other money, like the Spanos family in in with the Chargers, or like Mike Brown with the Bengals, uh, the Steelers have this issue. They've already sold part of their team to outside investors. 
you don't have that money, it's going to be hard to pass that down to your children. So if you want to own a team for you, it'd be great at like my age, in my 40s, it'd be great. But by the time I'm in my 70s or 80s, I don't know necessarily that's a good idea. Unless I, unless my son really wants to own it. And in which case, I got to get my money. Think about how much eyes are on the owners in NFL compared to any other league. I feel like yeah. the owners in the NFL are a lot more in the spotlight. You know, you have like the like Steve Ballmer maybe in the spotlight, but that's what just what the Clippers went through. And then obviously you have the Lakers owner, but then you you know, I mean, just think about this. Tom makes a good like, point. Dan yeah. Snyder, even before all the controversy that endured the last couple of years, I don't even know if I've ever even heard Dan Snyder speak ever. But everybody knows who Dan Snyder is and everything about him. I mean, there is a there's a star power of some some sorts that comes with ownership. Yes, like there is. One- like name name the Memphis Grizzlies owner. Don't know, but I can tell you all about Tony Khan in Jacksonville. Yeah, uh, well, well, the Khan's, you know, exactly. That's, that's know. a great example of it, though, because it's the same as if you're – we know who Arthur Blank is, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons. We know how he came into his money, but we only know that because he owns the Falcons. Right. Now name the owner of the Atlanta Hawks. Exactly. Right. You know, oh, yeah. you, um, I mean, you know, obviously we know the owner of the Dallas Mavs because Mark Cuban puts himself in that position. But yeah. you know, if I wasn't a Spurs fan, I know who the owner of the Spurs is because I'm a Spurs fan. Name the owner of the Spurs. One of the most successful franchises in the last 20 years. Who is it? I don't know. I don't know. You have not, fucking, it's Peter Holt, who also owns... Uh, a lot of horse racing shit, but oh, I, it, I do that. Okay. wouldn't have idea. But I can tell you, obviously, who the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs is. I can tell you who the owner of, obviously, the Rams is. I couldn't tell you the Saints owner. Uh, it's the, the Benson family now. Yeah, it's a family. The way the, the, go. Who's the owner of the Pelicans? Gail uh, Gail Benson. And and yeah. you know. We didn't know who Michael Jordan was, obviously. You know, he's about to sell the Charlotte Hornets. And as soon as he sells them, I right. guarantee you two years we'll forget who that owner is. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it, it's a great point. There's only, in all of sports, there's only a few franchise in American sports that are at that level. Or like, like teams, I should say, not sports, but full teams. And it's the New York Yankees. It's the Boston Red Sox. It's maybe the Dodgers. You know, those kind of things, there's not very many of them. You're right. You're spot on that if you own a team, I mean, I know who owns the Kansas City Royals because we live here in Kansas City, but no one knows who owns the Kansas City Royals or cares. Right. And That's when you the other watch part a game, it, the other half of the equation that you mentioned, no, not only does no one know, no one cares to know. And the teams and the leagues, don't use that information. They don't. They don't spotlight that in every game, and it's because we only have one game a week with our teams, so they're going to put the camera on the owner suite. And here's, you know, fill in the blank owner. Right. We see that every week. It's it's the Jerry Jones effect. Jerry Jones, uh, <laughs> you know, made himself a celebrity and a star, and 
that drew other attention to the owners as well as a whole. Yeah, before Jerry Jones, the only two, the only two owners, and I don't even know if Red Auerbach was an owner. Uh, the only two owners that you knew in sports were Jack Kent Cook, who owned what used was the Commanders now, used to be something else, and he owned the Lakers before selling it to, to Dr. Buss. And then you know Dr. Buss because it was the Lakers and he built the Lakers. And then Steinbrenner, you know, yeah. the Yankees. But nobody else knew who owned the other teams. For years. And Steinbrenner was Jerry Jones before Jerry Jones. Before Jerry Jones, yeah. I mean, yeah. And if, if you knew somebody, it was because they either had other businesses or it was Steinbrenner in New York taking all the attention. It was Jerry Jones taking all the attention by buying the Cowboys, the team that no one thought he'd ever buy or anybody would ever buy. Yeah. So, yeah. And so now we just – we got 32 owners, and if we sat here long enough, we can probably think of who the 32 owners of these teams are. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get that in any other sport. No. It's uh, it's fascinating. And, and yeah. one more thing on those owners, and we'll end on this, Paul. Um, you know, like the Walton family came in and spent a ton of money on that Broncos team right away. And now they're, you know, they're the richest owners in the NFL or, or one of the two richest anyway. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, They've already made such an impact as is. And, you know, they've tried to change the culture already from when they took over, from when they bought the team just a year ago and how that team operates and making a splash with Sean Payton and and all that they've done like this already and what they're about to do. I wonder, is what we've seen from the Waltons going to be the future? Is that going to be the expectation for other ownership groups going forward? I think in the NFL it is. I think in the NFL the expectation is if you're going to come in here and be one of these 32 owners, you better not treat it like it's just a money pit. Like it's just you got to have personal pride and you've got to put your money in here. Yeah, They're printing money. You're going to make money one way or the other. But you better be putting money into these teams and you better be doing things the right way. Look at these teams spending money on practice facilities. Yes. Dallas has just spent a billion dollars. Carolina's been in two billion on theirs. These teams are coming up with this money. And so you the Washington team needs an owner who cares about this team. That it, that should be a franchise that should be a top 10 franchise. You're a football team in Washington, D.C. I mean, you got all of Maryland and Virginia, and you got D.C. That should be like that should be like it should be the football version of the Lakers. In a, people should be wanting to, people should be wanting to go to those games to be seen in a very much pro sports town, too. Yes, I mean, yes, and they don't. I mean, it it, it just for some reason I don't understand how they haven't gotten that right. That's on Daniel Snyder. It's not going to be someone who's cheap or trying to get a deal on this team. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right about that, Bo. Uh, it's a great point. We'll see how it ultimately plays out. Uh, hey, I'll say it like this. This is the while he'll say, Tyler. This whole piece with the commanders, this might be the best football team as far as, uh, as who they are as a franchise and where they could be. It's going to be available the next 20 years. Well, Seattle's going to be open here soon. That's not as good as what Washington can be. Now, right now, it's a better gig. 
you got a great stadium, you've got a great franchise, you've got, you know, that they've got more in place now. But Washington should be a New York, LA, Chicago kind of team. Yeah. There's no there's that's why it's so important on this one to get it, get it right. Yeah, I, I, I would say Seattle uh, has a very high ceiling themselves, but uh, I get where you're going at too at Washington. But those are right now, though, those are the only two that are going to be open in the next several years. Uh, yeah. And they're both going to be heavily sought after, especially Seattle with its connections to big tech and everything, too. Um, so going to be interesting for sure. Bo, as always, appreciate the time. Uh, check you. them out on counteradvisorsgroup.com. OAGcast.com, Coach Windows Podcast. What's on the podcast this week? Oh, we're going to get back on the saddle. It's been about, a, about two weeks since I've done a pod. I've just been busy with everything. We are going to talk about everything. We've got the draft coming up. So Uncle Rico and I will be talking about that. Uh, free agency, what's going on? A lot of stuff we just talked about. Uh, going to hit the World Baseball Classic. If you're a baseball fan and you missed the World Baseball Classic, you missed the best baseball we've had in like five years. Um, it was pretty phenomenal, especially that last game, if you saw that. We're going to talk all about that and how I think that's a huge positive for baseball moving forward. And then we're getting ready for the NBA playoffs soon. So we'll be getting into all of that. We're going to be spreading our wings into a lot of stuff in the coming weeks. So check it out. Love it. We want to be your partner. OAGKS.com, AccountAdvisorGroup.com. Bo, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Tyler. Hey, good to to talk to you too, Tom. Take care, everybody. Final segment before we wrap up, it's our top folder story of the week. Tops Bridges standing by to tell us something ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, where are we headed out to this time? Jones, we're going or we're staying home. We're staying home. Uh, when I say home, I mean home for you two and home for me currently. Uh, that would be Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we're also going the streaming route. We're also going Netflix, right? The the last Tom Fulry story from Tulsa, I believe we had was uh, the Casey Wolf guy. Yeah, I, I do believe it was that. So we're 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 returning, we're coming back, and um, this is from Michelle's sister Alexandra Tafoya from KTUL. I'm I'm kidding, but it might be might be some relation. I don't know any other Tafoyas. Yeah. Um, and this was this past weekend. Um, Jones, have you watched Love Island? Uh, I do believe it was on Netflix. This, I guess, is oh, it says a Peacock original. Okay, I've not watched Love Island. I feel like I've watched Love Island. Um, somehow, I never, I didn't. I, I'll be honest with you. It's been about a month, a little over a month. I never got around to watching Milf Manor. Oh yeah. I, I never took the time to do that, and I don't think I will now. Yeah. Um, all these shows feel the same. What, what, how's this go? So, Love Island, and I feel like I've seen maybe one episode of it, but maybe not. And I, Or maybe I've seen a trailer of, like, you know, you go to Paradise and you hook up with people and maybe you get voted off the show or... <clears throat> I don't think it's one of those shows. There's another one out there very similar that, like, if you get caught having sex with whoever, then you're off the show and your other people lose money. I don't think it's one of those. It's just another reality trash TV show. 
you know, maybe I'm ruining my chances here because you guys wanted me to apply, but I'll get to that. Love Island USA is seeking Tulsa singles. Tulsa, Oklahoma. This comes from our friends at News Channel 8 KTUL. The hit dating Peacock's Peacock series, Love Island USA, is currently looking for local singles in the Tulsa area to cast for its new season. The dating competition's new season is set to stream in the summer of 2023. Love Island's USA is well known for featuring a group of singles competing in a series of games and challenges. Singles live in isolation from the rest of the world and may couple up, in quotes, to compete with each other for love and a $100,000 cash prize. Casting team is looking for relatable people who represent all parts of the country and would be described as down to earth, charismatic singles next door. Singles can visit loveislandusa.castingcrane.com to apply. Jones, short article. It's not over there. We're going to dive in. We're going to dive in here. We're going to the website and we are going to see what questions they ask to get your ass cast and. Love Island USA, Peacock, yada, 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 starts off this application as the exclusive method for applying to be an Islander. We do not request or accept materials submitted outside of this process. Eligibility requirements apply. First name, Thomas. First name, Tyler. Middle name, John. Middle name, Douglas. Last name, Bridges. Last name, Jones. Nickname, aliases. Mm, I don't know. Have you... Ever formally or otherwise change your name? If so, what names have you used and why? No. I've never changed my name. And I don't think you have. No. Height. Height. Yours is six whatever. Mine's six foot. Uh, weight fluctuates and uh, really Good depends answer. on the day. <laughs> right. we, won't, we, won't, we won't put a definite one. Date of birth, I'm 30. You are uh, just about... 28, is that correct? I'll be 27 in May. Oh, 27, 27, that's right. Address, I have a Tulsa address, you have a Dallas address. Mobile phone, home phone. Do you, I don't even know anybody that has a home phone anymore. Um, I don't know if they still do or not, but my parents, they added a home phone because Cox... Uh, had a deal where your internet and cable would be cheaper if you had a home phone. That works. You know, my mom had a home phone for, or you know, my parents had a home phone for a long time. I think it's, I think it's gone now. I still have home in my phone under that number. I don't even think like anybody knew that number. I think it was solely there just to keep the internet and cable bill down. But anyways, go ahead. Hustling, hustling the game. I don't blame you. Email. Okay, everybody has the email, whatever. What city and state do you consider your hometown? Jones, would you put Tulsa or would you put Coweta? <laughs> Should have known that was coming. Broken Arrow would be my answer. You would put B.A. In what city and state do you currently reside is the next question. Which is the closest airport to your current home? Emergency contact in relationship to you. Emergency contact number. What is your highest level of education completed? What college or university did you attend, if any? What's your degree in? What do you currently do for work? List all jobs. Jones, if I was going to apply, I would obviously put my nine to five. And I think when you guys, when you and Jose were like, Tom, you got to apply. You got to apply. And I'm like, no, calm down. I'm not applying. 
I, I do think that if, uh, you know, if the aesthetic was there more so for me, if I looked more like a frat bro um, now at age 30, um, maybe more like when I was like 23, um, you know, maybe the DJ and thing would, would be the one that kicks the door open. Um, but I guess if I had to do that, I would still do it. How long have you been at your current job? Are you working with anybody on the casting team? Do you have a valid passport? Your Instagram handle, your Twitter handle, your YouTube channel, Snapchat, TikTok. This question, Jones, broke me earlier when I was looking through it. Do you have an OnlyFans? Or have you ever made an appearance on an adult film site or exclusive content site? Not that I know of. I would love to see how the casting team reacts to that if they if that's uh is that a deal breaker, breaker or is that encouraged? Yeah, or is it just one of those things? I would be very interested to see. You know, is your follower count on Instagram, if it's so high, does OnlyFans even matter? The next question, please tell us your preferred pronouns. Um, that's also on there. I haven't looked into Love Island that much. I don't think they do, you know. I guess you could have different pronouns and still be either hetero or homo or what have you. What genders do you usually date? I've, like I said, I've never seen LGBTQ represented on Love Island that I can think of. Um, but obviously that doesn't seem to be out of the question, which is fine. I identify as is a question. Um, are you single? I would hope so if you're applying here. If yes, please state how long you have been single for. If no, please describe your current relationship situation. When was your last relationship? How long were you together and why did you break up? Have you ever been married or engaged? If yes, what was the reason you broke up? Please give details. You have any children? If so, list names and ages. I don't think I've seen single moms or single dads on this show either or can go back in my recollection and think of any reality dating show. Now, for Tom, dating a woman with kids isn't a deal breaker. Uh, it didn't used to be. It definitely is now. So for <laughs> if you have kids, I'm sure you're a great woman. Uh, <laughs> th- but no fucking thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but if I did have children of my own, um, I damn sure probably wouldn't list names and ages on an application of my kids. That's I feel like that's fucking weird. Um, have you ever been in love? Do you fall in love easily is a question. This time in your life, are you more interested in exploring casual situationships mm. or find more serious relationship? Do you have a preferred way of finding dates, dating apps like Tinder or other methods, or do you prefer to be the pursuer or pursued? Why do you think you are currently single? Describe your ideal romantic partner. What makes you a good boy or girlfriend? Have you ever been unfaithful in a relationship? You had to choose between, this is an interesting one, because I know what I would pick immediately. If you had to choose between leaving the island with friends or leaving the island with a boyfriend or girlfriend, what would you choose? Um, in a reality show, I'd definitely choose friends. Um, no one's going on this show for love, uh, honestly. 
on the show, if you're interested in a person who's already coupled up, what will you do? What if that means breaking up a couple that enclose your closest friend on the show? Do you generally get along with better with men or women in 50 f- words or fewer? Please write a dating profile for yourself. Tell us about your family life growing up, where you grew up, sibling parents. What's your parents' relationship together? Are they still together? Married to new partners? Single? Do you look as them as relationship goals? Who would you like to role model your relationship after? How would your family and friends describe you? What are your hobbies and interests? Who is your celebrity crush and why? Jones, let's stop right there real quick. Current celebrity crush. Who is it? My current celebrity crush. Oh, man. Um, there's so many to choose from, you know. Um, let me uh, let me check my, my, my save folder on Instagram, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, man. Um, gosh, my... My, my current celebrity crush at this point, you know, uh, Tom, I, I think that uh, my answer, oh, maybe like a, like, like a Janet Kramer. Okay, that's not bad. I would say mine's Sydney Sweeney right now. Obviously, it's all like, you know, Margot Robbie is kind of the, the too obvious, you know, trying to I think was, about the box. I was going to say Jennifer Aniston still, but that's showing my age a little bit. She's getting up there. Still get it. Um, no ifs, ands, or buts. And and I feel like it's a trap if I say, like, any type of broadcaster or somebody that's in my industry, you know. Like. No, I, I, I know whose pictures you're like, and trust me. <laughs> right back to the questions there's so many questions on here and i didn't even read through all these earlier do you have any close connections to celebrities or known public figures what is the most defining moment event of your life what is the most difficult thing you've ever been through tell us something surprising about your life that we would never know i mean if- your most defining event might be when uh you sit in the super chat on uh Seahawks when I uh, spilled the beer on the laptop and broke it. I, I mean, yeah, definitely for you. I mean, that, that <laughs> ruined that ruined any future beer bongs for you. Um, <laughs> tell us something surprising about your life we would never know. I feel like this is a tell-all already with these questions. Right. So, so like, uh, you know, they would eventually know. Let Let's me three say this. Let, let, let me say this, Tom. Um, I think we need Tom on a reality show of some sort. Dating show, that would be pretty interesting. No doubt about it. Especially if he went on Milk Manor and was trying to chase around some cougars. Um, no, well that, my mom would also have to be on that show, which that would not fly. It's true. Um, with that said, I think if you put Tom, not even necessarily even on a dating show, like if you put him on Big Brother, and Tom's the guy that everybody wants to hang out with that's doing this, you know, crazy stuff, and you know he's, you know he's making everybody mac and cheese and bringing the beer and all that too. I mean, who's voting Tom off too? I, I think Tom, like we we've kind of misused you of some sorts. Like I think you're calling in life. We we need you on a reality show of some sorts, whether it's a dating show or a competition like a Big Brother or Survivor or something like that. I mean, Thirsty. Okay. Here, here's where we get here's where we get deep into this survivor okay i've seen some i've you know 
Jeff not in shape right now. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, I'm never, I don't think I'll, I don't ever see myself being some jacked up, you know, bodybuilder stack type guy. But I could stand to, uh, you know, hit, hit the weights and get maybe a little jacked. I don't think you would want to see that, Tom, though. Um, because if that happened, it would be, you want, I mean, if they said, hey, Tom, we'll put you on Love Island in a year and you've got until next May, I would, I, and they were like, for sure, you're going to come on the show. I, I think I'd probably go get yoked real quick just to do it and just to be that person. But Jones, you know, I've never really wanted to be on a reality show. Like you said, Big Brother, I think I'd do, I think I would kill it. Um, or I think I would get sick and tired of it almost immediately. Um, it would be one of the either two things. I think I would either succeed or I would get so sick and tired of it in the filming that it would, I would, I would almost even bow out. Um, finishing up these questions real quick and then we can break down our favorite ones. List three fun facts about yourself. Have you ever seen any past seasons of Love Island? Why do you want to be on Love Island? What would you most like to get out of the experience? Well, yeah, I want to go on a vacation that's to an island and see a bunch of titties and an ass, you know, see a bunch of ass and drink free booze and eat good food and, um, you know, act like an ass. I mean, just to just to just for the content purposes right have you ever applied for or appeared on love island or any other tv shows are you currently being considered for any other tv show are you currently signed to a record labor or music publisher do you have any tattoos if so how many and where are they located your tattoos this is where you get down to the nitty-gritty fine text do the tattoos include any brand logos brand names or slogans or any designs is there anything we should be made aware of that could conflict or interfere with your ability to participate in an audition, studio appearance, or on the show? Mm. Do you have any conflicts that cannot be postponed between June to August of 2023? Okay, here's this is interesting too. Other than driving offenses, which have not resulted in a driving ban, have you ever been convicted of a crime or used the subject of an ongoing criminal criminal proceedings is there any other information we should be aware of concerning your application including anything in your past that may attract negative press or publicity if there was a requirement to be up to date here you go for those other people those other people other people great people awesome people but those people if there were a requirement to be up to date with the COVID-19 vaccination are you willing to comply Upload three photos of yourself from the past year. Upload three photos of yourself from the past year. Oh, this is again. I guess you just upload one each time. And then you sign the eligibility requirements and updates regarding changes in the privacy policy, application video release, confidentiality, yada, yada, yada. Apply. 83 questions, Jones, to get your ass on Love Island, USA. That's a lot. That's a lot. You and Jose said, Tom, do it. Tom, do it. Tom, do it. Can't do it. Um, you can't get through the application. Yeah. Well, yeah, that too. But that being said, it's like, okay, 83 questions. You pretty much give them your whole life story. I'd have to, I don't think, you know, as much as I don't mind my job currently, I have, like I said, I didn't say I liked it. Didn't say I loved it. Didn't say I hated it either. I don't think my job currently 
would like to see my ass on an island, they would much rather see my ass in the chair buying stuff um, so they can get jobs done. I don't think that would fly. Now, uh, let me uh, let, let me say this, Tom. Um, the give people an example of like the character they would see come out of you. Uh, you send a text. I, I won't read it, but. You send a, a text or a group chat describing how you would behave here, and I, I think people would see a different side of you. Uh, what, what would they see? You know, Jones, I, I think if I was to go on, not even Love Island, just a reality show, obviously they want you to, uh, I don't know, they want you to, to, to liven up and kind of be uh, that character. Could be, I could be that character. I've said a lot of funny things on the show that I've meant, and a lot of things that I have not meant, just even on a podcast. Um, I will say, if they said, All right, Tom, you're on the 2024 season, uh, you have until May, I'd probably get in shape and, uh, I don't know, maybe be the asshole guy that's got the chip on his shoulder that, that does it. I'd probably flaunt the DJing thing. I'm not the biggest DJ. Never be the biggest DJ, and and I haven't done anywhere near what even some of uh, my other peers in the city of Tulsa have done. But definitely would flaunt that, and um, you know, I, I feel like uh, I feel like if I was on a reality show, I would. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd I'd probably make the most of it, especially put me on an island somewhere and give me a. You know, give me some booze and a and a and a reason to be funny, or a reason to just act an ass. Hundred percent. You know, I've never thought of myself as an actor, but that's what these reality shows are, right? Um, I feel like it fits a certain personality, like reality TV shows and what they're looking for. Like, I think you would be good. I think my buddy Will Scott is made for reality TV. Did he tell uh, Will tell Will to apply. He didn't get him. He doesn't have an old girl right now. Tell me he can use my address. <laughs> okay. Uh, you've invited him to crash at your place before, so... Um, there you go. I think of, like, even, like, you know, if we're thinking more high-profile people, like, uh, who'd be good in reality TV, like, somebody like Alex Bennett from Barstool would be perfect for reality TV. I mean, is Barstool at this point not reality TV? Pretty much is, yeah. I mean, they, you know, all the way down to the color daddy stuff. I mean, that's pretty much, I mean, that's reality podcast in a way. I mean, I mean, I, pretty much this show is we're, we're real with y'all. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, we hype some things up. We, we milk a lot of things sometimes, but there's also stuff we don't milk. We um, can be, we can be dramatic when we want to be right. I mean, you know, um, I don't know. If you said, all right, your job's secure, you can come back uh, when either you get voted off the show or you've had enough or you end up winning the damn thing. Um, you know what? I'd probably do it. I'd probably do it. I wouldn't go on Love Island right now. Like I said, if you said, all right, Tom, next summer, here's your here's your dates. You have this long until you fly out. Um, yeah, I'd go on it. I, I would 100% go on Love Island. Um, or if you said, hey, Tom, this time next summer, uh, you go on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. At this point, I'd say, you know what? Why not? It, right. it, it, 
So, you know, just as long as my job was safe, I'm not quitting my job to go be a reality TV star or try to. You know, I, we do see these people that that go on these reality TV shows that have already somewhat of an Instagram following or, or somewhat of an influencer. And they, they literally go on these reality TV shows to not compete on this reality TV show or to try to win that show, but literally to gain publicity to increase their already large influence following on social media. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're coming down to. So, you know, my following on Instagram and Twitter is is really maybe a little bit more than the average person, but not by much. Um, and nothing to write home about. So it would be interesting. And, I, you know, before I would go on a, a and, and I think you could probably speak to this, too. Um, before I would go on national TV on something like a reality TV show. I would probably hire someone to go make sure there were no tweets from 2012 <laughs> that said anything that could be damning. Um, just throwing 2012 out there. I, I think I've been on Twitter since, oh, damn, I think I've been on Twitter since like 2009. Um, uh, I've searched certain terms with my name to make sure like things get deleted. And I, I've deleted a lot of old tweets. So I'll admit that. That or I would I would definitely delete my I mean the Instagram is pretty clean I would definitely delete I think I would probably delete Twitter and I would delete Facebook completely I'm on deactivated on Facebook have been for a while but I think I would definitely scrounge the internet for anything anybody could find on me yeah uh, I'm not saying there's bad stuff out there but I'm saying you know there's from the time I've been 21, even before that, uh, there's been a lot of drunk nights I've ranted about who God knows what, you know. I can't tell you what I ranted about in May of 2014, but I'm sure there's something out there um, that could, uh, that could uh, maybe not incriminate me by any means, but uh, could definitely uh, be the subject of a discussion if I was thrust into the national spotlight. If you're out with Tom on a Friday night, take his phone away. Well, not even that. You'd be you'd be <laughs> hard to find me out on a Friday night anymore. Saturday night's more my go-to anymore after turning 30. Just you're because right. Thursday night, I'm out doing karaoke. And so, you know, there's a uh, lot of the times that Friday night, maybe when I was your young spry age at 26, almost 27, that it wasn't a big deal, but now I'm, I'm a I'm a one night a week type guy um, for going out if I'm not getting paid. So, uh, you know, in, in that the Love Island thing, man, how you know, just any reality TV show, how many nights are you expected to party hard and then wake up and film the next day and then actually look presentable, right? That too. Uh, there, there's a lot of the times that I wake up from partying. Uh, and now at the at the good old ripe age at thirty, that uh, there's no way I could look presentable the next day. Yeah. I mean, I show my face at brunch. Tom, we're uh, we're out of time. We got to get out of here. Uh, big thanks to TJ, Bo, our whole crew. Uh, as always, uh, check us out on social media: facebook.com/slash 
Tyler Jones Live, Facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live. Well, you can still find him before he deletes his account. You can follow Tom at Thomas underscore Bridges. And uh, also Studio underscore Soapbox, uh, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Instant Thomas, and uh, Jones underscore Report. You can find us there. Off to uh, Austin this week. Uh, David Starr and I will be out there. Uh, the Let's Go Racing team will be uh, enjoying ourselves at uh, Circuit of the Americas this weekend. So I uh, look forward to that. And uh, I'll see you guys back here next week as uh, we'll get you ready for the final four. Uh, and I have some coverage there from Houston. So uh, stay tuned for that. Thomas Bridges, Coach Bo, TJ Reeves, our entire crew of Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Jones Sport. We'll see you next week.